What's up, everybody? Judging by the sound of this voice, you've tuned into the right place, which means you have downloaded the latest edition of Kicking Out at Two over at SoundCloud.com. Thank you all so very much for being a part of it. I am your host, the Master of Ceremonies, Dave Rosenbluth. Got a jam-packed show for you this week, as we're going to be introducing a new concept to Kicking Out at Two that we would like to call our guilty pleasures. Uh, you ever go through life growing particularly fond of something or being very passionate about something uh, and you seem to be the only one that's very passionate about that certain thing, you're in the minority and the overwhelming majority disagrees with you, well, that's a guilty pleasure. And I thought of taking the guilty pleasure concept and putting a pro wrestling twist on it because throughout my pro wrestling fandom over the years, uh, there's been certain things that I've grown particularly fond of, whether it be a certain match, a moment, certain wrestler that uh, I seem to feel like I'm the only one that really enjoyed that particular wrestler match or moment and other wrestling fans totally frowned upon it an overwhelming majority of them well that's a a professional wrestling guilty pleasure and we're going to bring those to you this week joining me and helping me do that is the offensive coordinator of kicking out of two my brother justin along with loyal listener and special friend of the show dennis j levy he's also got a few pro wrestling guilty pleasures of his own we had a lot of fun chopping it up we argued we laughed we cried well Maybe we cried. I'm not sure. You'll have to tune in to find out. We debated. We discussed anything and everything when it comes to guilty pleasures within the history of pro wrestling. We covered it all. We brought it to the table. But before we get into the excitement of our guilty pleasures edition of Kicking Out of Two, uh, it's time for me to address a few things like social media. That's right. You can find us on social media, facebook.com forward slash kicking out of two. If you have not already hit that like button and you can experience anything and everything throwback pro wrestling related. Uh, there's pictures, there's videos, there's memes, there's gifts, there's debates and discussions. Be a part of all the fun over there on Facebook. If you have hit that like button and you know someone that loves old school pro wrestling banter, well... Send them over our way to Kicking Out at Two on Facebook. Same thing goes for Twitter. Our handle is at Kicking Out Two. That's K I C K N O U T and the number two. The same fun, but 140 characters or less. And I'll be quite honest with you, um, our Twitter following has not grown as large as our Facebook following. But like they say, Rome wasn't built in a day. You got to crawl before you can walk and walk before you can run. And being the old curmudgeon that I am, I'm just not used to Twitter. And I'm fairly new to it. So I'm still trying to navigate the waters on the uh, the, the, the Twitter stratosphere, so to speak. So, uh, you know, over time, I'm sure the, the following will continue on uh, Kicking Out of Two's Twitter account. But I appreciate Appreciate the following that's currently there now and all the love and support that you know social media has given kicking out it too so thank you also very much for liking and following us on both facebook and twitter um i'd like to uh send a, a a very heartfelt thank you to my cousin wild bill brown last week he joined us in covering SummerSlam 1993 in long form and uh you know, Bill brought it definitely when it came to the, the, the facts and the opinions on that particular SummerSlam. But um, Bill definitely brought it in more ways than one um, as, as, we, uh, as the week progressed. Uh, Bill sent a, a link of this podcast to uh, Mike Johnson of ProWrestlingInsider.com, which is regarded as the number one news and rumor uh, professional wrestling site in the business. Uh, Mike is uh, highly regarded as the, uh, one of the 
the premier journalists and uh you know he's not a dirt sheet writer like others like the wade kellers and the dave Meltzers and the ryan satins and you know all, all other names that you know i will not care to list off but uh you know mike holds a uh, a, a high reputation in the industry of getting the facts straight and i've met mike a few times he's a very nice guy straight shooter uh, very personable informative uh, just an all-around good guy and apparently Mike got a hold of last week's episode. Uh, not sure if he's listened to it yet, but if you have, Mike, thank you very much. And thank you, Bill, for you know uh, sending it over to Mike Johnson's way and uh, the, the audience of ProWrestlingInsider.com. It's, it's greatly appreciated. Um, by doing that, in my personal opinion, I believe that um, by Bill passing along that link of our show, that uh, it helped... Uh, it become the number one downloaded show in the history of kicking out of two so far in the early history of kicking out of two so far. So I'd like to thank all you that listened and downloaded this show last week's episode. It's truly appreciated. um, Very humbling. And I look forward to cranking out more great content for all you. Uh, If you, if you weren't on the ride before buckle up, because I have a lot of fun planned for old school pro wrestling fans here on kicking out of two. So thank you, Bill. Thank you, Mike Johnson. Bill's definitely gonna be a part of the show more often uh, when our schedules allow it got some fun ideas that i want to discuss with bill about kicking out it too so you will definitely hear wild bill brown in the near future and maybe you'll hear mike johnson from pro wrestling insider.com on this on this uh this platform here and kicking out it too who knows but um time will tell when it comes to that like i said you gotta crawl before you walk and walk before you run all right um SummerSlam last week uh, SummerSlam weekend, I should say. Uh, I gave you guys some predictions on some of the key matches that were taking place that weekend, and uh, I think I went, uh, I think I went three and two, if I'm not mistaken, on some of these matches. Uh, starting off with NXT's, uh, you know, takeover event from Brooklyn, Tommaso Ciampa defeating Johnny Gargano in the Last Man Standing match. Awesome match. Uh, if this is the end of the rivalry, it was a great way to end it, but I still have a feeling that they still got more to go with the two of them. Uh, it's just got an old school feel to it that I really like and enjoy. Uh, the rest of the show was great. I mean, I only gave you the prediction on that one match, but Adam Cole Ricochet was an awesome match. Shayna Baszler and Kyrie Sane, awesome match. The tag team titles with Mustache Mountain and the Undisputed Era, awesome match. Uh, EC3 and Velveteen Dream was going to be my pick uh, to steal the show, and uh, they didn't steal the show, but they 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 put a they put forth a really strong effort. Um, great match between the two of them. Overall, great event. And uh, if I were to say, you know, the, the the best of what WWE is cranking out this, these days when it comes to their their content, it's NXT. It really is. Uh, they they got the main roster beat, in my opinion. And as much as I I try to uh, play devil's advocate with some of the things that are uh you know portrayed creatively uh when it comes to raw and smackdown i can't defend most of it uh, but nxt crisp consistent storytelling and the best thing that wwe is putting out currently right now so uh hats off to to them for that as far as SummerSlam goes thought it was a solid show one of the uh, better SummerSlams in recent years not great but it wasn't terrible by any means uh i gave you a prediction on miz and daniel bryan i predicted the miz to win uh so therefore i'm 2-0 now and my kicking out of two quick picks uh, i thought the miz daniel bryan story was told very well and there's definitely legs to this 
rivalry continuing with them as Miz cheated to beat Daniel Bryan. Doesn't look like it's over, regardless of the rumored uh, contractual situation with Daniel Bryan. So I'm looking forward to seeing what what goes on there. Uh, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, another match that I thought was really well put together. The finish I thought was great. Uh, This is my first loss in the kicking out of two quick picks, as I had predicted a... um, uh, an AJ Styles victory, even though he left with the title, lost by disqualification, didn't really uh, particularly care for the whole, you know, involving AJ's wife in the beginning, but uh, it grew on me, and I'm looking forward to seeing where these two head. Ronda Rousey, Alexa Bliss, it is what it is. Uh, I picked Ronda to win. It's purely a business decision, in my opinion. Um, but at the same time, wrestling fans like to complain that WWE is not realistic enough, and, uh, you know, this was a realistic situation that a an MMA fighter, a mixed martial artist, a UFC champion in Ronda Rousey came in and dominated a WWE superstar. Because in real life, I think that could happen. <laughs> so uh, it, it, it had a very realistic feel to it, even though it was short, quick, and to the point. Um, interesting to see how they handle Ronda's reign. I know that on Raw recently, she had alluded to the fact that she wasn't going to be like Brock Lesnar. So we'll see how that turns out. Um, I'm positively optimistic that, you know, this situation with Ronda and the championship will uh, help, you know, not only elevate the title, but help elevate women's wrestling. So time will tell on that. Um, And the main event, Brock and Roman. Roman winning. I suffered a loss there. Uh, Didn't see that coming. Well, I shouldn't say I didn't see that coming. I had a feeling that was going to happen, but I was kind of hoping that um, Brock was going to keep the title only for the sheer purpose that if he dragged it all the way to WrestleMania, the amount of heat he would get inside that stadium in the New York metropolitan area would just be massive, and it would make whoever he's wrestling against easily the number one good guy that night opposing him for the championship but um it is what it is kudos to wwe creative for carefully crafting that main event as we uh we saw you know a braun Strowman uh, involvement in the match uh it, it allowed the audience to have something to look forward to a visual with him outside the ring without worrying about shitting all over the match like they probably were going to do um roman winning had a mixed reaction there was you know i would say it was about 60 40 negative you know not in his favor but a, a large amount of people um like the fact that he won the championship and the you know the production that wwe put out at the end with you know his victory showing the replay him posing with the title and 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 quickly signing off the air um, I thought it was well done because if you're on any longer, um, especially with the idea that the audience thought that Braun was going to cash in, there were potentials for more crowd hijacking as per, you know, the norm when it comes to uh, the Brooklyn crowds for WWE events. So uh, I thought it was well done. They were capitalizing on the the positive reaction that Reigns got going off the air with, with the scene of him being the champion. So I guess in some ways they accomplished, uh, you know, what they wanted with him not only beating Brock but getting somewhat of a positive reaction from doing so a milestone victory for his character if you will and of course it followed up on Raw recently this past Monday with uh, a Shield reunion and their uh, devastation of Braun Strowman as he attempted to cash in his money in the bank contract I'm interested to see where they're going with that because you know the Shield is a very popular group um, 
Braun Strowman is very popular, so it's almost going to kind of be one of those situations where you're going to force the audience to pick and choose um, who to who to cheer for and who to boo for. Uh, so we'll see how that turns out. Um, before we get into it, I'd like to also uh, give a special shout out to the Mania Club. That's right, um, Mania Club's over on Facebook, and they're a group of individuals that uh, produce a tailgate party in the parking lot of the WrestleMania venue every single year, and the proceeds of that. Uh, tailgate go to research for uh, the pediatric cancer and Connor's Cure, which is a charity that WWE is heavily involved in. They, uh, they they put out a huge spread. I've never been to one, but I know a few people that have. My brothers, a few friends of mine, and uh, for roughly around 40, 50 bucks, you get unlimited food and beverage. Get to hang out in the parking lot with a bunch of wrestling fans, just talk wrestling, have a good time. Uh, really create that um, that that fun atmosphere that uh, you kind of get at like you know other sporting events that people tailgate at you get it with the mania club outside of the stadium for wrestlemania uh, so hit them up on facebook let them know you're going to be there in the new york metropolitan area next year if you want to help and assist in putting together the tailgate party i don't know if they accept offers like that but i'm sure that they would definitely appreciate your help and assistance in facilitating the mania club tailgate party outside of metlife stadium all right that being said, the Love Fest is out of the way. Uh, allow me to uh, get into things with our Guilty Pleasures episode here on Kicking Out at Two. All right, let's kick things off here on Kicking Out at Two with this special Guilty Pleasures episode. Joining us today, of course, is the offensive coordinator of Kicking Out at Two, the guy who helps me execute all the plays here, Justin, my brother. How are you doing? Doing wonderful. Got a nice land shark here, nice and cold. Just kicking back, let's talk some wrestling. All right, and also joining us here is a, a, a loyal listener to the show, a friend of the show, a fellow co-worker of yours, Justin, Dennis. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for, for inviting me. Glad to be on the show. Awesome, awesome, very cool. All right, so with our Guilty Pleasures concept here, I've been coming up with a lot of different, well, we have been coming up with a lot of different ideas and concepts, and have you ever, you know, people in life have guilty pleasures, and they, uh... You know, wrestling is one of them for us wrestling fans. For the most part, unless we're in a large group of wrestling fans, we're the minority when it comes to who likes wrestling fans with outsiders. So as wrestling fans, we even have our own guilty pleasures ourselves. At least I do, and I know that the two of you do. Otherwise, you wouldn't be sitting here talking about this with me. So with that being said, the format here is, is that have you ever had a particular match, moment, wrestler, anything pro wrestling related that you have liked, however, the general population of wrestling fans has strongly disliked? And I want to hear it. So we're each going to round off about five of those uh, guilty pleasures individually, debate, discuss, have a little fun, knock back a few. And uh, before we do that, uh, like I said at the, the top of my statement, you both are uh, you know, work, co-workers together. You guys work together at a hotel. So why not why don't you, uh, you know, give our listeners a little brief history regarding your friendship and working relationship, Dennis? Oh, absolutely. So I'll announce myself as a big Viking fan. That, that, uh, and so with that being said, let's, I'm going to digress now. That, that, so this is Justin's first day. I'm on and off the Sheridan Hotel for 12 years. So Justin's been, what, about a year? Almost a year now, yeah. All right, so that being said, it's Justin's first day is bartending, right? I'm watching him, and I'm just like, wow, for first day, this guy's rocking it. This guy's awesome, right? So, 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 so Makes I, sense. I, do, yeah. I, I do like the, my standard introduction. Hi, I'm Dennis. You know, you, you know, you know, I'm watching you, and you're, you're awesome what you do. And, uh, hey, I'm about to play a trick on somebody just, just to be... 
you have to be oblivious, play dumb or whatever. So Justin goes, oh, you're ribbing them. And I'm like, rib? I'm like, who uses that term other than wrestling fans? I'm like, are you a wrestling fan, Mr. Justin? He goes, absolutely. <laughs> then he goes into all the acolytes. I, I'm in all these WrestleManias and all this other stuff. And I'm like, wow, I, I don't like this guy. I love this guy. So we're going, we're going through all the, all, all the stuff. And we're chit-chatting. And I'm more and more we're talking. The more and more I'm just like, love at first sight with Mr. Justin. However, get in line, man. So here's the big thing. Mr. Justin. I only awesome. take four things in life seriously. The, 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 my family, my friends, the, the the restaurant industry and the Minnesota Vikings the four things I take seriously so of course I'm gonna I'm gonna ask him hey Mr Justin what is your favorite football team he looks at me white in my little BB eyes and said the Green Bay Packers my title heart, town baby uh, my <laughs> heart it grew seven sizes before that then shattered just being a Viking fan that that that, that you're uh, probably uh, used to it that though really now. broke my I, of course and then <laughs> and that, that uh, other than the Cleveland Browns there is no team that has more more heartache than the Minnesota Vikings but that being said I'm just saying just from like hero to zero and like zero to sixty just like just just like that but of course I, mean, I love Justin too much the the, the whole degree the, the Packers against him but but yeah that's how we got introduced that that, that uh, he used the terminology rib. And I knew right away, wrestling fan, love this dude. Now, quick question. You said there are four things you take seriously in life, and we're on a pro wrestling podcast. You're a big wrestling fan. Wrestling's not one of them? Yeah, we're, man. We're not, uh, we're not, okay. With that, with that being said, so maybe uh, you change uh, it to that, five? That, that, I, it's got to be five. You're yeah. right. We're not right. splitting those I, beers. I, I get one extra. I'm just saying, yeah. when, I when, when I announced myself, I like, you know, my board thing, right? People go, what do you take serious in life? I always say, oh, four things, you know? But you're right, though. Wrestling is way, way that's a perfect example. Example of yep. a guilty pleasure of yours. You're a wrestling fan. Yep. Not many people want to admit that they're wrestling fans in general. So I mean, I think that's it's apropos that you have, in, in some ways, mistakenly left wrestling out of the equation there when you talk to customers as a bartender. All right. Now that we've got that established and out of the way, let's start with you, Dennis. What is one of your guilty, your pro wrestling guilty pleasures? The All one right. thing that you you absolutely love and adore, but generally most wrestling fans have kind of put their nose down on it. I'm going to start with a match. You, okay. you gentlemen are more wrestling historians than me, and my brain's a mess. So, 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 so like, <laughs> this, I forget years and all the other stuff. But WrestleMania, uh, Jake Snake Roberts versus Rick Martel blindfold match. Okay. I've seen lists, all podcasts, right. you, know, you, you, you know, where they said the worst wrestling, WrestleMania matches of all time, Jake Snake Roberts, Rick Martel. I so disagree. I love that match. And, and, and like and like like every time Jake the Snake Roberts got closer to Rick Martel, you, you know, the fans go bananas, right? Yeah. And then when like Rick Martel is getting closer to Jake Snake, you know the crowd, shh, you can't tell where they where they are. I thought the ring psychology I mean like the for like ring ability and whatever, it was total shit. But the the ring psychology the ring, it's just like, just like what they brought to the table and just like how hard that match was. I thought those two gentlemen did an excellent job. And and for a given match, I absolutely enjoyed it. I, the, the, I uh, need to interject real quick because no one can see this, but Dennis is talking in his mannerisms. His 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 left so hand too sweet, is too sweet <laughs> I like all the that. way. I, I give you so one. I like without that. a doubt, like, I like that you right know there. he's a wrestling fan. Yeah. You know he's he's a fan of what is too sweet that for sure. Cool. But no, please keep going. I just I had to point that out. That because was, I, 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 I was going to say, say too. I'm just saying. Let's be fair. What match? 
match in WrestleMania history gets more shit on than than the uh, blindfold match. You know what I mean? Well, we're going to find out soon enough. I absolutely adore that match. I really do. And people think I'm, I'm, I'm touching the head. Oh, you're not a wrestling fan. You're like a Kevin match like that. It's like, whatever, dude. But, like, hold on, though, too. Like, you think, like, Jake the Snake Roberts and Rick Martel, like, in, in, the, in the annals of wrestling history... <laughs> are some of the best to ever lace up a pair of boots and, and put together a match. So I, I would love to have been a fly in the wall in the room when Vince McMahon was like, hey guys, I've got this great idea. All right, hit, it, hit me with it. We're going to put blindfolds on you. <laughs> and you're going to be looking for each other. And, and the fans are going to go crazy for you, Jake. And, and just that whole, I could just see them being like, what the fuck? is that like, not to get off topic here but you know you said one of the best to lace up a pair of boots rick martell and jake the snake obviously jake being a master ring psychologist a great storyteller rick martell doesn't get enough love in my opinion for what he for what he's contributed to wrestling okay and i'm Bring not back get, the arrogance the, the, the hashtag ar- yes the arrogance <laughs> dennis and i were kind of talking about this off air before you came in I, as a kid, I couldn't stand Rick Martel because he sprayed the arrogance in Jake's eye. And when Jake had that, you know, obviously it was a prosthetic or some some sort. No, it wasn't. Of, that was one hundred percent real. Contact, it, was it was a shoot eye. It was a shoot eye. It wasn't a work. It wasn't a working fake eye. It was a shoot yeah, eye. It was a shoot eye. But. I would get teary-eyed, not that I'm, like, emotional watching it, but the fact that Jake's eye, he had no vision in that one eye, and it was because Martel sprayed that arrogance on, well, you know, the Brother Love show, and tried to uh, clean up Damien just a little bit, but uh, I'm right there with you. I can't disagree with you. One of my favorite WrestleMania matches of all time. Very underrated match in and of itself. I'm in the minority here, because that was... I respect all the the acclaim that you're giving it, but... It was whew, just this just misjustice of miscarriage of justice as far as utilizing great talent. Uh, like I said, Jake the Snake Roberts, Rick Martel, those guys could have put on the greatest WrestleMania match of all time, you know. But again, let's throw a couple you know bags over your guys' heads and just walk around in circles. But, I mean, but, all right. <laughs> With that match, though. You, you don't find the storytelling very interesting in a different way. It's not the traditional wrestling match that you would have, that, that you would expect, but within the context of the story, had Jake been you know blinded by Martel and that arrogance and the way that Jake had um, portrayed and, and used that blindfold to his strength in the match, you don't find that to be um, you, you don't find that itself to be something that is very underrated or great for for that match at WrestleMania 7? Oh, I mean, I mean, it's all great and stuff, but I think I would have probably preferred a mixed tag match, Jake and Damian versus Rick Martel and the Arrogance. I think that would have been an unbelievable match. The hot tag, to loot to, to Damian. Oh, my God, it would have been amazing. But how is Damian going to hold the tag rope? That's the thing. How does he the wrap himself around it. He wrap himself around it. You know what pole. I mean? Well, you know, you know, you gotta, you gotta improvise. The it, beautiful, the beauty of it is, you couldn't get pinned. Yes. Okay. Where is it? Where, where, where are the snake shoulders? I think that would have been quite the deal. I mean, it would have gone up there with, with uh, toxic turtles. That would have, oh, you know, that would have gone up there as, as an unbelievable, uh, interesting thing to go. I hope that's not with. one of your guilty pleasures. Toxic turtles. I can't. I can't put that in there. As a guilty well, well, all right. So. While while we're on this discussion, uh, not the toxic turtle discussion, what is one of your guilty pleasures, Justin? One of mine. I don't know if this didn't get 
criticism more than it just didn't really land the way they wanted it to. But I was really digging back in 98 the WWF's attempt at the light heavyweight division. Their, their, um, their volley to respond to WCW's lights out cruiserweight division. The likes of Takamishinoku and S.A. Rios. Those guys, like, I thought that was, like, as a young fan of a, a diehard w, WWF who didn't even then think the WCW was anywhere near the status of WWF, I was like, great, now they have the guys that WCW has, or more or less, as far as the guys who can do the flips and no, the flops. No. And I, I just thought, man, those guys, these guys are, the, these guys are like... These guys are the cruiserweights that, that can do it. And I didn't mean... And, and, and I think it's just like... I thought that was like helping put the package together for the company. Like, again, you had Austin on the rise and all that stuff. But I think, you know, they were now putting together their version of the cruiserweights. And I was like, this is... This is exactly what they need. They have all the other stuff. But they don't have... You know, they, they've got what can, comp- what can compete with the cruiserweight division. And, I, and, and for what that's worth... The guy who I liked a lot that, again, that just, again, it just didn't get over was uh, S.A. Rios. And then he had Lita with him, which I was like, this is just a chick who does, you know, flips. And obviously she became a Hall of Famer, so I don't think that's anyone's guilty pleasure of no, no, of, the, of the appropriate variety. I'm sure there's other guilty pleasures that people have of Lita. But, again, S.A. Rios, the light heavyweight division, Takamishinoku, I was, I was digging that stuff hard. And it's a shame that it didn't get over the way it did because that's exactly what people liked. Not taking away, and I'll go. Take first. it away. Fine, we're here to debate. I'll, I'll, I'll go first, and I'll let you uh, respond, Dennis. Uh, not taking anything away from the talents that were involved in the light heavyweight division, but I think WCW set the bar so high for their cruiserweight division with guys like Rey Mysterio, Ultimo Dragon, Dean Malenko, um, Juventud Guerrero, Jericho at one point, Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, all those names that I felt like. Any attempt that WWF made with the light heavyweight division uh, just kind of fell short, in my opinion. Not taking away... I love Takamichinoku, and I love that match he had with the great Sasuke at the Canadian Stampede in your house. But I, with all due respect, may he rest in peace, Brian Christopher Lawler. I just didn't think he was up there in terms of what a cruiserweight wrestler was. Same thing with... Um, I kind of dug S.A. Rios, but I wasn't a big, big proponent of it. Scott Taylor. That's the thing. Like, yeah, I was not a big fan. I just felt like that they didn't – I don't know. I I didn't feel like that they tapped into enough talent to really make that division something. Well, you know what? There was an article I remember, and this is one thing. This is kind of how I learned about pro wrestling is as a kid – not to, to go off the rails. No, no, no. We would, you know, every Saturday or every other Saturday, we'd go, you know, the family would go grocery shopping and, you know, mom and dad and everyone else would kind of split off and get what they needed and stock up for the house. We were and in the magazine The aisle. magazine aisle. I yeah. would just take all the magazines, <laughs> all the pro wrestling magazines that were there, whether they were WWF magazine, Raw magazine, PWI, et cetera, et cetera. And I would just sit there Indian style and just covered, blanketed almost in magazines and go through. And that's how I learned about stuff like ECW and, you know, where, you know, the real names of these guys, these wrestlers and just, you know, all that behind the curtain type stuff. And I remember seeing an article where, again, I think this was shortly after Shawn Michaels retired the first time. And it was an article about Scott Taylor. And this was the beginnings of which, what I still think we see to this day is who is the next Shawn Michaels? And there was an article, and Scott Taylor was that feature. Scott Taylor as the next Shawn Michaels. How crazy is that? 
if we could digress too, that that, that Scott Taylor, right? Scotty too hot. The image of Scott uh, Scott Taylor. Now, now I remember the most. More than too sexy. More 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 than more more than more than anything was that he had a jobber match one time against Yokozuna. Him versus another guy. So two against one jobber match, and him getting he was the top guy. Him doing uh, the 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 uh, you know the, the the bonsai drop on both of them. You know what I mean? Yep. Well, once you get that image in your head. You're never gonna be a Sean Michael. You're never gonna be a Sean Michael. So you couldn't take guy. him seriously because I of that. I couldn't. I really couldn't because John kind of Taylor paid his dues. Don't get me wrong, but I can't get Scott Taylor jobber out of my head. But the, like I can't remember Rockers or Sean Michaels, you, you know, IC Run or whatever. I don't remember him having one jobber match his whole career. So so, so that being said, Scott Taylor was never gonna be a shot. But you know what? He leaned on that because you know what he did? He became Scotty Tuhati, he did the worm, so why take himself seriously anymore? Yeah. If you're not gonna, why not? But you it's know what? It's kind of like the Paul Roma effect with the four horsemen. Everyone knew who Paul Roma was as a, a low level jobber tag team with uh, Jim Powers as the young stallions, but then he goes to WCW and he's the fourth member of the horsemen with Flair, uh, Arn and Ole. So I mean I, I kind of get where you're going here with with that I, I on the same wavelength when it comes to the the scott taylor well, situation well, with that being said to, to kind of wrap this up and kind of move on to your to your guilty pleasure that was you know we're kind of seeing that resurgence of that style of wrestling and at least wwe's attempt with it with the cruiserweights and, yeah. I, and and not to not to stay too current it's it's a, i think they're having a better go at this attempt to make yeah. these guys stars now agree. and i feel like you could kind of look at guys nowadays in that division or coming up in NXT or wherever and say, wow, like maybe not the next Shawn Michaels, but you know, these are guys that can, that can really tear it up and that really have a place on the card. And I felt like, you know, to me, I was buying into that place on the card that those guys could have, whether it was, you know, they weren't going to go on last ever or, you know, be the last segment of Monday night raw, but they were going to certainly give you something comparable to the cruiserweights in WCW, but also as something you wouldn't see on WWF programming at the time. Okay, all right, fair enough. I mean, I don't agree necessarily, but you know that's what the that's that's the beauty of this here. You know, giving us natural debate and discussion. All right, now you know you got one, Dennis. You got one, Justin. With that being no. said, I, I want to continue this conversation. Because I think, <laughs> no, no, because I think, gentlemen, he's not done yet. No, I think, gentlemen, that this is kind of like the. LeBron James versus, like, Warriors. Who do you pick here? Do you pick the best player in the world? Like, I think at the time, the LeBron James of the light heavyweight, the cruiserweight division, light heavyweight, was talking Michinoku. Yes! I think he's a walking dream match in his prime. A walking dream match. Or do you take the better division? Which is going to be the the WCW? WCW clearly was the Golden State Warriors. Top to bottom, yeah. of, of, of the like that's, uh, a, of that's, the a, that's an interesting way of putting it. But, but, I like that. But 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 the LeBron James, in my opinion, of the light heavyweights in that in that era, Takamichi Nushu. Uh, yeah, we can go uh, with that name. Yeah. But yes, Takamichi Nushu. And I said it differently twice. Yes, so then I'm wrong. But 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 I'm not going to edit. It's like a it's like a fingerprint. It's fine. That being all said, right? Like like oh my god, come on, the Michinoku driver and all that other stuff, and just these flips and the Royal Rumble elimination bump in 2000. Yeah, and we talk about Brian Christopher. 
that, that, that Cruiserweight Championship against Brian Christopher, come on, how awesome a match was that? My Dave Meltzer, that's, that's, uh, that, 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 that's, that's 4.999999 oh, on top for a star match. It's not in the Tokyo Dome, so it's automatically two uh, yeah, and a half, so let's be fair. Yeah, not in Japan, point one deduction from yeah. the Russian judge. <laughs> but, 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 but yes, that match was incredible, come on, man. Yeah. That, that Takemichi Sanuku, Michael Jordan of the light heavyweights, and then, or LeBron James, sorry. Well, Dennis, we'll, we'll, let's, 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 let's cheers to Brian Christopher. Absolutely. Rest in peace. Yeah, there we go. And, of course, Nick Glavo Club. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And Brickhouse Brown. Yep, yep. there we go. Really, another one, eh? Hey? One for yeah. the homies. Yeah, they say it comes in threes. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. recently, they, they all, they all uh, you know, left us uh, in, in many different ways. All right, you both got one in the bank. Now it's my turn. We're on the subject of WCW a little bit, so I thought I would uh, kind of... Most of my most of my guilty pleasures are some WCW themed stuff. You, you, that sounds about right. You'll see a, you'll see a, you'll see a pattern here as we go along with this conversation. My first guilty pleasure, it's something that wrestling fans consider the downfall of WCW. January fourth, nineteen ninety nine, the night that Mick Foley put some butts in the seats and became the the World Wrestling Federation champion. On the other channel, WCW Nitro came from the Georgia Dome, and the main event of that show was supposed to be Kevin Nash versus Goldberg in a Starcade rematch for the World Heavyweight Championship. Turned out it was Hollywood Hulk Hogan and Kevin Nash. Presidential candidate Hollywood Hulk Hogan. That's right, That's I forgot. Right. Didn't, he never revealed who his, uh, who his running mate was. Uh, but with that being said, my guilty pleasure is the finger poke of doom. All right. Um, I know that might ruffle some feathers, you know, for those listening and maybe with you two gentlemen, but some boas. Yeah, maybe some feather boas. Yeah, if if you will. But uh, I was not totally against this whatsoever. I didn't hate it as much as most people did. And I thought that executed the finger poke, getting to the finger poke with the whole storyline with Goldberg being arrested and sexually harassing Miss Elizabeth, I thought that was kind of hokey and silly. But if you think about it, okay, the NWO were the ultimate bad guys at that time, all right? They, yes, the NWO was in the middle of a turf war with Nash and the Wolfpack and Hogan and the Black and White. But at the end of the day, the NWO's ultimate goal was to take over. And I thought in the within the context of the story, it kind of made sense that they reunited. Did I care for it? Not necessarily, but I didn't hate it either. If they, and I'm not trying to fantasy book here, but if if there was a better long term plan for it after the fact, um, I think most people wouldn't necessarily shit all over it like they do today. I mean, it went from you know screwing Goldberg, Hogan poking Nash, Nash taking the pin, and reuniting and having the NWO Wolfpack and the B Team, and it was they didn't really do much after that. They had that stuff with Ric Flair and then David Flair and Tori Wilson, and but they didn't really capitalize on it more like. A Goldberg, for instance, who they screwed, he never really got the chance to run through the entire NWO. And I can understand why some people don't necessarily care for this. But for me personally, if it was designed for Goldberg to eventually tear through the entire NWO, I think it would be received better from from wrestling fans universally. Um, I'll be honest with you, when it happened... I didn't, I didn't see it coming in a way. I actually thought because the NWO was in the middle of a turf war that 
Nash was going to gather all the troops and they would all dump Hogan and eventually Hogan would fight the NWO and we would get red and yellow Hogan again in WCW kind of teaming with Goldberg and some of the other guys like DDP and Sting but we didn't get that so with that being said I didn't really have a problem with it and I like it personally I I, I thought it was it was it, it just made sense within the context of the story um I like you said I think I, I would have I felt like at least as a fan, if I'm putting myself back in 1999, Justin, um, 98, 99, Justin, I think I, if, as I recall it happening, cause I didn't watch it live because again, I was, I was watching, uh, you had Miss, a bedtime. Yeah. I had a bedtime <laughs> and, uh, Mrs. Foley's baby boy was doing more important things than, you know, pushing the Walker across the Georgia dome. And, um, as I remember it happening, I was like, all right. I mean, like maybe I'll, give some attention to this later, but I know I didn't, it, 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 cause at the time, yeah, like WWF was running away with everything, you know, that interested it, oh, a, yeah. a wrestling fan. And, and I was like, okay, like, all right, this might be something, you know, as I'm getting a little bit smarter to what's going on in wrestling. But, um, again, the stuff with Goldberg, I thought was just so, so silly with like, again, taking him to the police station, which was across the street, but then he has to come all the way back to the Georgia Dome. Like, like this is like... And he was, st- and he was still handcuffed, too. Right, yeah. He take the cuffs off. When we yeah, got like, I don't know. Like, it's just like this weird, like... I agree. Like it, I said, some like, of that stuff is silly. I'm not going to lie there. It, 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 I don't know, but at the same time, I, and, and I, you know, I said this, and I think I might have posted it on my Twitter, at Rosenblum, DOA, by the way. Um, I said this earlier this morning when I... I, I blurted out on social media entertainment value outweighs the lack of logic every day of the week twice on saturdays four times on sundays it doesn't matter and i think this is the attitude era perfectly exemplifies that none of that stuff made sense you couldn't do that today no. it doesn't not not just from the, the the shock value of it but none of that makes sense and i think even then i think you got something that was entertaining on that show while it, it but it, it but it was a big middle finger to logical thinking every step of the way. And the WWF was just as guilty of that. So I think the, the Goldberg stuff, I think, was like, ugh. Was I just don't Goldberg? think it was as entertaining, though, the, on the WCW side. Was Doing it? what they did was obviously laying the groundwork. And like you said, they didn't finish it. But again, the entertainment value of what they did, being promised so much and being giving nothing in return, I think was really what pissed people off. And I think that's kind of how I felt about it after the fact. Was it because Goldberg lost a week prior at Starcade to Kevin Nash and ended his streak? And that's why it left a lot of sour, you know, taste in fans mouth because most wrestling fans that I've discussed this subject with felt that, and that Goldberg's jets were cooled off as Mike, as the late Mike Graham used to say when he lost that match. And I felt like, as a fan, especially at that time, Nash was red hot with the Wolfpack. He was probably the number two good guy behind Goldberg at that time in WCW. And it made sense in some respects that Nash was the guy to end Goldberg. And I'm not saying that because I'm a Kevin Nash fan, but just based on his, the way his character was portrayed on television. Was it because Goldberg lost a week ago or a week before that and then they advertised the rematch? Yeah, I mean, you wanted to see Goldberg get his revenge a little bit. You wanted to see that ma- mega matchup. But you know, at the same time, when they when it became Hogan and Nash, that was still interesting. And even then, they still pulled the rug out from under you. So that was kind of like, first we get, you start off the night thinking you're getting Goldberg and Nash. Then you get Goldberg, you're getting Nash and Hogan. And that's, okay, all right, I get it. Cool, something interesting, you know, Wolfpack versus NWO Hollywood. And then you don't even get that. 
Yeah, it's like, I mean, I can understand like, that too. So to that that was, I think, my my understanding of the gripe that I would yeah. probably get behind more so than like, oh, like yeah, in retrospect, you can be like, oh yeah, it did this, it did that, it was you know, it could have gone this way. Well, it didn't, and for a variety of reasons. But I think that was kind of what I would say is the reason why most people shit on it. Dennis, I don't know. Your yeah, take. I was gonna say finger poker dude. All right. So that being said, excuse my uh, uh, offensive terminology. But the, the two most retarded decisions WCW have ever made happened in one week. A, you broke the streak. And B, you did the figure point of doom. That, 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 that being said, that, 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 uh, the two things that what they did. A, the biggest draw they had was the streak. That was indisputable at that time. The biggest draw WCW had was a streak, and they blew it, and then, and then, and then, when one, within what, uh, within six days later, that they, they, they're telling, they just announced, go watch Raw tonight, because you're getting a title match, you're getting a title change tonight, watch it, and it's like, yeah. thank you, I, 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 I was a WCW guy at this time, I didn't watch WWF at all. Or uh, that, that, uh, shame on uh, you. Anyway, with that being said, shame. The better, the, 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 be, uh, the the better product, you can argue, might have been raw, but 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 that three hour show, I just adored it. I that, that, that uh, three hours, they got your promo, you got your wrestling. But anyway, we're not digressing. Uh, that that uh, that. Uh, with that being said, they told you. Watch Raw. You're gonna see this great match. You're gonna see. You're gonna see mankind, the guy that's like you know the average Joe, the guy everyone wants to win the title, the guy you're pulling for, you know, the working man, the, the lunch pail guy, you know. He's wearing the title. That's he's he's wearing the title tonight. Go watch it. I can't defend oh, that. Yeah, no, thank I, you, I, I, I can't defend that. Thank yeah. you for the heads up on that. Thank yeah. you. Now we're watching. <laughs> now we're watching WWF over your show. Great job. Thanks for the heads uh, up. That, that, like I said, the two. Excuse, excuse my terminology. I, I hate using the R word, but like, but like, how stuck and stupid you gotta be to be like, you got this on lockdown. You are beating the WWF. All you got, all you gotta do now is just don't fuck it up. And what do they do? In one week, they fucked it up, and that's why WCW went down. And it happened all in one week. But you, you think that Goldberg? How long? All right, let me ask you something. How long should have Goldberg streak gone? Until people stop watching. Until people stop watching, you end the streak. People. But you don't think people would have gotten bored that he just kept winning and winning and winning? He went like what, 173 and all before he lost. To I'm Kevin sorry. Nash? Well, that, that, that Bob Acklin had a title for six well, years. Well, you know, and people it. ate that up. Hogan, Hogan, how many times he had the. He had, whatever you want to call it, the monopoly on the title. We didn't get sick of it. Until people stop watching this business, the wrestling business, you keep on doing the same thing over and over again until people stop watching. There is some truth to that. As a uh, play caller and offensive coordinator on the gridiron, you know, people like to think variety is a good thing and playing, you know, chess on the, on the, on the, you know, on the turf is what it's all about. But, you know, the biggest lesson I learned on that aspect was, you call the same play if it keeps working, and until they stop it, dare the other team to stop it. Um, so I I, I I respect that aspect of it. You know, dare the other team to stop it. If it if it ain't some some of my most impressive or you know wins that I on in that world were just running the same play maybe eighty percent of the time because they couldn't figure out a way to stop it. So you got the horses to run it, you go and stop it. That's just speaking from the OC world. If you will. Okay. All right. Well, you know, we all got one in the bank now. It seems to be I'm the odd man out when it comes to the finger poker doom. That's all right with me. I have no issue with that. Dennis, 
Your number two guilty pleasure in the world of professional wrestling. All right. So, so as of right now, you know, the women's revolution and all of the other stuff, it's like, it's like, you know, women's wrestling, that's not, that's not like a guilty pleasure. Well, I'm talking like late 80s, early 90s, women's wrestling. I, 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 that was a thing? Uh, uh, yes, yes it was, believe it or not. And I can tell you, one of my favorite things to watch was like, you know, Monster Ripper versus Candy Divine and like Glow and all that stuff. So, the ladies and gentlemen of the listening audience, I am the youngest child of four children. Only boy. So that being said, I have three older sisters who are also wrestling fans. So I grew up. That's cool. That, 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 that I grew up. That's cool as shit. I grew up on Glow before WWF. I grew up watching Candy Divine, Randy Richard before Hulk Hogan or Macho Man. So that being said, my guilty pleasure, and I think there's phenomenal performances that that that, that uh, was real, real like 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 mid '80s, late '80s, early '90s wrestling. I'm talking Glow. I'm talking Pow. I'm talking even in the late '90s. I watched. I watched because it's in my it's in my blood to watch women's wrestling. I saw. I saw Wild Women's Wrestling. That, 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 that if it's women's wrestling, I'm watching. Even if it sucks, I just want to give. Uh, like like nowadays, you know, all these women could do exactly what the men do, and I'd be the first one to admit the race psychology kind of sucked. The, uh, the 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 talent was way watered down. It's more storyline. Like like the the course the head promoter back in the day was David McLean. He had he was a good businessman, terrible wrestling promoter, <laughs> and uh, and uh, that being said, that, that, that uh, I really, 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 because I knew someday the women's revolution was going to happen, and I wanted to be the first. To, and I remember the kid saying, "I'm going to be the first on this women's revolution boat. I'm going to jump on the Lunder Blaze uh, bandwagon, the Monster Ripper, the uh, the the age the, the AJW, uh, the, you know, the all all Jap- Japanese wrestling, the women's uh, the, the women's fucking stuff. Christopher Columbus over here with the women's wrestling. No, 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 I'm he saying, discovered it. No, practically. no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like, like I said, three older sisters and, yep. and my and, and all wrestling. Yeah. So, 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 like I said, you know, most people when you pretty hear, mean sisters. When, when you hear like a wrestling male wrestling fan, you hear, oh, I got in because of Andre the Giant, Macho Man, and whatever, Dino Bravo. This guy here. Who the fuck got into wrestling because of Dino? Oh, Bravo. I love Dino Bravo. One of my favorite kids of all time. Yeah, he wrestled. Anyone inspired by Dino Bravo? Anyone? Anyone? anyone I, don't, I don't know. I'm just saying something. something no, wrestling. I'm just fucking with you. Go ahead. That, that, uh, I'm just saying that, that that you hear all this stuff, right? Uh, like like for me, first wrestling I've ever seen, uh, I, at least I can remember, was Glow Women's of Wrestling. I can even tell you, Colonel Nashka versus uh, uh, that, uh, versus Americana. Was the first wrestling rivalry that I truly, truly ever got in. What about Liberty? Is home. it is it Liberty Bell versus Voya, the Destroyer good, or is it? I, I never Machu Picchu. I, I I actually don't know. I'm not familiar with the last couple people that you said. Oh, uh, this is this is the Glow Netflix show. You got to watch it, man. Oh, well, that being said, yes, yeah, I Liberty about, Bell, man, I that's about, my girl. I saw about three episodes of that. But, that what that, about the Welfare Queen? But I, I that, what I really like though with Glow, I know we're digressing. No, that's fine. That's but, fine. But, but, but I like the, what I like about Glow. That that's the first wrestling movie or show. I know it's a show, but I'm just saying movie, show, sure. anything, anything that really exposes us to like the wrestling terminology, the wrestling like 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 uh, uh, wrestling like, like 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 the in and outs, what goes on in the background, how you promote a, a, a successful wrestling show, and all of that stuff. This is the first one to go behind the scenes, and it took a woman's uh, a woman's wrestling uh, that, 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 that to get us like. 
really behind like the scenes of like what a wrestling show does. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I I think it's brilliant. I know I know I don't have that. I can't say you know what 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 like is it the greatest show of all time? I only saw three episodes, but. Well, that being said, that's what I really like about the Glow series, and like, like it really—it's the first I've ever seen. I go behind the scenes of wrestling more than a front of the scene of the. Well, would you say? Would you say because it's like a a, a, th- a throwback show to the '80s? As someone who again who enjoyed like late '80s, early '90s women's wrestling, that was kind of underappreciated. Do you think it made it? It was in, in your three episodes of viewing. Do you think it's had an accurate depiction of? That type, that era of women's wrestling? No, it did not. It did, did, uh, it did, uh, if you watch, like, like, I double dog anyone who's listening to this right now. It did, did, uh, go on YouTube, go Google Glow Wrestling first episode, right? That, uh, yeah, they were, they, they were definitely, like, more storyline oriented and, like, I don't know. The, 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 so, 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 so. The athleticism was secondary. It yeah. Was, it was the story yeah, it, that it, was really. It definitely, definitely. They were driving behind. It definitely, definitely, like, like, and it. De- I'm telling you, the, the the wrestling itself was absolutely horrible. Uh, that, uh, but, 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 like, uh, it was 10 minutes of wrestling and 15 minutes of talking, talking, talking. Like, all these promos and all the other stuff. It's like a 2018 episode of Monday Night Raw. Oh, yeah, exactly. It, it, it was uh, that, was that, Vince that, Russo book and glow at the time? Yeah. That's what it sounded like something Vince Russo would do. But, 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 somewhere, okay? But like, yeah. like I said, though, that, 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 uh, but, but growing up with three sisters, I just knew, like, someday, like, like women's wrestling was going to be mainstream. I didn't think it was going to take 30 years to do it, but, but, but I knew it was going to be mainstream someday. I'll be honest with you. Um, I can't really say I agree or disagree with you here because I didn't really have because because growing up for me with women's wrestling it was seen as like a special attraction because it wasn't on as much you know uh, in the early 80s during the rock and wrestling era I knew you know Fabulous Moolah and Wendy Richter and names like that but I couldn't really give you whether I liked it or whether I disliked it kind of uh, commentary because I just wasn't too familiar with it at the time but uh I've never in all my years of talking with wrestling fans I have ne- and and this is so unique that you're on this show doing this with us and I appreciate you coming on that you I've never come across a wrestling fan that was inspired by, well, first of all, inspired by fucking Dino Bravo, but secondly, (laughs) inspired by women's wrestling that got them into women's wrestling. And it's it's an interesting story that you tell growing up being the only boy uh, out of four siblings and you have three older sisters. I just think that's so fascinating and unique that, like, I can't knock you for for being a, a, a women's wrestling fan and that inspiring you. So hats off to you as far as I'm concerned. Justin, what you know? What's your guilty? Take on? Pl- oh, okay. I thought it was my turn. No, I mean, unless you want, uh, if you have more to say. Well, that, that, no, I mean, I think, I think, um, it's, I think, women's wrestling. Um, back again, I, that was around the time I was bursting on the scene, if you will. So I don't really remember um, <laughs> anything about women's to a, wrestling to a bed sheet near you yeah exactly <laughs> um, unfortunately that's what did happen <laughs> <laughs> I gave more things that you did to find out the to than join a match <laughs> so um, yeah, I can't really speak to it but you know it's got to start somewhere and I think as a, as someone who is who likes to, to to learn about and never stop learning about the history of wrestling this women's Evolution at this point now that we're in today allows us to kind of go and learn about things we never really knew or were made aware of back 30 years ago. So I look forward to that part of this entire. I mean, I don't know when this evolution is going to be over, but um, 
I guess never technically, but um, that's what I'm more interested in is learning kind of what you, now essentially what you got to call your guilty pleasure as you know because WWE is the custodian of that history across all the major aspects of, of sports entertainment. So I think going back, learning, and doing my own little independent googling and such will be able to get you know get me to kind of see what you were seeing a little bit as far as women's wrestling goes. All right, history. There you go. Guilty pleasure number two. All right. Um, I was going to save this for later, but it's on my brain right now. Um, and I think I had mentioned it to Dennis in, 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 in show prep. Um, we're going to probably have a bias, the three of us, on this, but I have to consider WrestleMania 11 a guilty pleasure of mine. And obviously, WrestleMania 11 emanated from our hometown of Hartford, Connecticut, a place that's very near and dear to our hearts. And... Um, you know, there was just something really cool about even then knowing that, like, and I, and I recall watching that event, and I know that there was the potential to even go to it, at least fleeting potential. And um, I just recall going, like, you know, sitting in the living room where we were, knowing that now 10 minutes away was the biggest thing happening in professional wrestling from my front door. Lawrence Taylor. Bam Bam Bigelow, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, <laughs> JPT, Nick, yes, Nicholas Totoro from NYPD Blue. Yeah, my, like there was just like the WWF was putting on WrestleMania, which is amazing to think of what it's become now compared to then. To me, I proudly say it's the worst WrestleMania of all time because it's from Hartford, Connecticut. Um, for so many, for so many reasons. I will gladly allow Hartford to own the take ownership of the hosting the worst WrestleMania of all time. But at the same time, as a fan, I loved that WrestleMania. Watching it back, I probably watched it, the recording of it on VHS so many times. Um, yeah, that's definitely my guilty pleasure as far as like wrestling events are concerned. WrestleMania 11, live from Hartford, Connecticut, in the Hartford Civic Center. Dennis. You wanted to touch on this subject? Oh, I just wanted to say, worst WrestleMania of all time, WrestleMania 2. Come on, get your head a shake. Wow. Oh, but, uh, but uh, with, with that being said, that, 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 uh, that uh, yeah, when, when, when you're most, like, when your best match is Smoking Guns versus Yokozuna and Owen Hart. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, from that, wow. All right, what do you, you think is the best match? Sean and Diesel Sean was and definitely Diesel the best match. Bell bell really? the best match. Oh, I the, thought that put me to sleep. But even then, as a fan, like, LT getting his ass kicked by the million-dollar yeah. corporation. Like, I'll, get into, I'll let you yeah. continue. I had to at least jump out. Oh, yeah. I, thought that was, I thought that was Sorry, the best go match. Ahead. That's my one man's opinion. Pat Patterson no, was no, the no, referee. Come on. I thought that. But you know, the whole surprise of, like who's gonna be Owen Hart's partner? That's and a big sudden, deal. All of a sudden, you, you know, you know what, what I think at the time. Excuse me if I'm wrong, but no. two-time WWE champion, yep. WWF champion at the time, yeah. is gonna be no, a tag correct. team partner. That's a big deal. You, you knew, you knew you, that's gonna be the one title change of that of that event. You know, so I thought it was the best match. Think about this now. Before before Dave says anything, yeah. think about this. Think how many think of how many Hall of Famers, even Pro Football Hall of Famers, that are on that show. All right. That might be the largest collection of Hall of Famers yeah, in history. Is Bam Bam finally in? I don't know. You guys know. He's he going in. He's got to go. Bam Bam? Bam Bam's are, not are, in. Are, are, no, I thought you were talking about Football Hall of Fame. Well, we've got the whole list of football players that are that, that backed LT. Yeah. But then you've got all the WWE Hall of Famers. Let's, let's rattle them off a little bit. you got Yoko Zuna. You've got Jeff Jarrett. You've got Razor Ramon. You've got probably future Hall of Famers in Lex Luger and British Bulldog. 
You've got Nikolai Volkov, Ted Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase, Shawn Michaels, Diesel. My goodness. Bret Hart, Bob Backlund. Bret Hart, Bob Backlund. Roddy Piper was on that show. Again, Pat Patterson was the freaking referee of the main event. You've got, I mean, again, you could rattle off any WrestleMania that has those, but to me, it's like, it's an interesting WrestleMania that is heralded as one of the worst of all time. And like I said, I will take ownership for that um, as the worst. But having just a stacked card of people, I have that King, well, King Kong Bundy's not a Hall of Famer, but. Maybe one day. The Undertaker. Oh, he should be. But you know, no brainer. My goodness. Todd Pettengill. Fucking Todd Pettengill. You got Kama. By the way, what's your beef with Todd Pettengill? I think he's awesome. I don't really have too much of an issue with him. I think that's like a great universal guilty pleasure. If that's that's, that's, that's a, your definitely that's your that's got to be a, that's, uh, yeah, that's definitely one of you guys guilty pleasures that's for sure. I, I, I mean we'll get into Todd Pettengill. Nineteen ninety five. I really don't have much of an issue with him per to, se. Like I don't think we disagree on this topic, so I, it's probably a shitty one to bring up. But like I said, WrestleMania eleven, man, what a for us hometowners. Again, that was just that was just the coolest fucking thing ever, and. Again, no, it didn't. Nothing lit you on. Roddy Piper was, you know, in that WrestleMania as the referee of the uh, of the the I Quit match. Oh, of course, yeah. My, that is just a stack. If you read that on paper, holy, holy cow! Oh, great! On paper, that that you think like you know, instant classic was going to be Bret Hart and Bob, Bob Ackland. Ackland. I was oh like, a, Bret Hart has even said that's one of his worst matches ever. <laughs> you know what was great about that match is the fact that the the that. If you remember correctly, on our VHS tape, the fucking cable company pulled the power out or something. Something happened, and we didn't even get to the finish of the match when the when it came yeah. back. Down, Brett was leaving, and he was declared the victor. We didn't even get to see Backlund. This, this and also, Backlund didn't even say I quit. This is also what makes it the worst WrestleMania ever. Yeah. There was parts I remember part of the show when, again, and I say it's the worst as a pleasure of mine. I I I I, I revel in this worseness. Of being at the bottom of the barrel of Hartford, Connecticut, um, there's a, 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 a back. They, Vince McMahon throws a backstage segment to uh, to to the special correspondent Nicholas Totoro of NYPD fame, and uh, he's with the Million Dollar Corporation, I believe. You can't hear shit you, when he's talking. There was like a technical difficulty, which wasn't the which wasn't the first of the show, and it wasn't the last, and you couldn't hear a goddamn word he said, and it was like. Those aspects of a show are obviously important, too. The and Wi-Fi like, sucks in that building, by the way. I went to Monday Night Raw there recently. I couldn't even post a picture on Facebook. There so you I, go. You know so what? I mean, and, it's and really I, proof and that the Hartford Civic Center, the XL Center, whatever you want to call it, is technologically challenged. Well, to, you know, on, on a sidebar, I've, you know, having worked in Hartford as a bartender and, 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 you know, steps away from the XL Center, I've had the pleasure of serving many people who've been involved in shows that have been put on there of all varieties, particularly one that comes to mind, Justin Bieber. Uh, we had, I was, I remember, you know, over-serving, if you will, uh, roadies who drove 18-wheelers of all the uh, equipment and such for the, the tour of Justin Bieber. Those individuals who have been working on the show, on, on show pro tours for 30 years, said the Hartford Civic Center is, quote, the worst arena in America <laughs> to, to work in. Solely due to the fact that it is a nightmare to back an eighteen wheeler into the into the bowels of down that. this ramp and the way it's, it's yeah I, I an eighteen wheeler. I used to work in the building. So so, I I, so I again a nightmare. They said it is the worst. These guys have traveled the world over ten times, divorced thirty, and missed graduations and childbirths. And the, the what sticks out in their mind about Hartford, Connecticut, is that it is the worst arena in America to work in. 
I'm kind of proud of that, sadly. Well, <laughs> but sadly, you know what agrees with you is the Carolina Hurricanes. So, so, so sadly enough, that, that, that's why we lost the team. Don't worry, we're, the whaler, the whalers are coming back. Uh, the whale are coming back for sure. So yeah, not to, to harp too much on that. That is my please hate it, don't hate it. That's that's that is probably my favorite guilty pleasure, if you will. I mean, you you said the best match on the card, the the smoking guns against Yokozuna. I, and I Owen think Hart. one man's opinion, one man's opinion. Yeah, but no, that sounds like a guilty pleasure in itself. Are you are you biased that this is a that you enjoy that year's WrestleMania? Are you against it? What exactly could you? Well, I, 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 I'm right on the fence. I, I, I think it was one good match away from being an okay show, and it was one like a botchery from being a terrible show. So I thought it was an okay show. I'm right on the fence on it. Bad matches, good matches, and uh, that that. Uh, but it kind of stinks that, that that you can argue that the worst Survivor Series happened in Hartford, and, and one of the worst WrestleManias happened in Hartford. So, so you're right. This is. I just want to give some kind of be objective here and just try to try to get Hartford out of the abyss per se. That, that uh, oh, we're coming back, baby. We're that, coming back. <laughs> yeah, we'll come back at some point. Uh, but uh, but but I just want to be objective and say. I can think of, in my opinion, WrestleMania 2. Hell, I even think WrestleMania 1 was worse. That the, 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 the had to start somewhere, I get it. But, but WrestleMania 1, WrestleMania 2, um, I don't know. I don't want to, like, you know, go, go on and on and on. But, but like, I can think of, if, if I got, like, if I could think about it, I guarantee I can name probably four or five WrestleManias worse than, worse than 11. Interesting, interesting. I mean, for me personally, WrestleMania 11, like you said, Sean and Diesel best match of the night. But I was, I'm a New York Giants fan, as you can see here in, in the studio. I've got a couple Giants, you know, pictures hanging on the wall on top of the other wrestling memorabilia. And uh, I was a big Lawrence Taylor guy. My my father, you know, helped me grow up on New York Giants football. So um, seeing him in that world of football coming into my passion and my love and the world of wrestling, I thought was very surreal. And having it happen at a WrestleMania in my hometown, Hartford, Connecticut, I can't not. I can't knock it, even though that like Justin, you know, made examples of. There's other reasons why that show fucking sucked, but at the same time, um, you know, as a hometown, as a as a hometowner, I, I can't I can't put down WrestleMania 11, and I could probably say that WrestleMania 2 or even WrestleMania 1, I could agree with you, are probably worse than WrestleMania 11 in and of itself. All right, we wrapped up the WrestleMania 11 guilty pleasure. Each of you are at two. Now it's my turn. My guilty pleasure, and this is something that I think um, you both will probably universally hate. Uh, I'll probably be in the minority of this one, but do you guys remember WCW Uncensored 1996 and the match, the alliance to end Hulkamania versus uh, Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage? Oh. The Four Horsemen and the Dungeon of Two Doom. Two versus 16? In the uh, Tower of Doom match? No, no offense. You, when you say Dungeon of Doom, you said enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let, let me be clear about this, okay? I'm a big cage match guy, okay? The sight of the cage for this match is impressive. The concept in and of itself, having two guys to run the gauntlet in these separate cages that is probably like five or six cages up or whatever, I think is pretty neat. The talent in the match from the Dungeon of Doom side, I would have fucking taken them out of the equation. But... As a kid, I thought this cage was just so impressive that I know it gets a lot of shit because of the Dungeon of Doom aspect of the match, but if the Dungeon of Doom wasn't in the match, would this match still be an abomination like most wrestling fans? What's your take on it? 
You want to go first, Dennis? Oh, yeah, you, yeah. Oh, okay. So, um, geez. Any way to make Hulk Hogan look strong, you know? You can clearly tell who's booking WCW at this time. I got an idea, brother. (laughs) Why don't you take the 15 baddest guys we have in WCW? You know what? Give them Brutus, too. And let's... He wasn't in the match. The Zodiac was not in the match? No, he was the booty man. Oh, during this oh, period of time, so, so, so he got exposed with the double agent by then. Yeah, he was yeah. done. Yeah, he okay. was done. If okay. you if you want to go Brother back, Brutai. if you want to go back, he was the booty man, and even before they came up with that stupid booty man gimmick, he was. I watched this recently. Uh, I forget what event it was, but it was he played his character. They they referred to him as the man with no name. Against the Dungeon of Doom. And then he eventually transformed into the... Whoever, so he whoever was in that is their guilty pleasure, please find us on Facebook at Kicking Out It 2 and tell us because you're in for a whole world of hurt because that's just an abomination. Yeah. No, I, I would have to agree with you there. But the, like I said, the concept... The man with no it, name. The, the, the concept in and of itself, I enjoy just because the impressive look of the cage and... Like I said, it was there was a ring, and then there was probably like four or five floors, but different cages, and you had to like kind of run a gauntlet. I it's mean, like a video th- game. But think about it, though, for a minute. You okay? got to hit the boss. We at the fucking end, like... get into pro wrestling, like some of the silliest shit in pro wrestling, like fucking Kane shooting fire out of his hand, or the Undertaker raising the lights. Yes, that's cool. But do we, in the grand scheme of things, if you want to talk real and fake, is that fucking real? No. No. Okay. So neither is this Tower of Doom, but it's still fucking cool, in my opinion. Well, again, entertainment value outweighs the lack of logic. Every day, <laughs> twice on Saturdays, twice on Sundays. Four times on Sundays, actually. Have you watched the match ever? No. All right. No, I have not. Um, I guess we're going to have to... I'm going to have to be tied down with my eyes taped open to do it. Oh, God. At some point. But, uh, again, maybe the stigma of Hulk Hogan keeps me going, like, why... Like, what part of this was entertaining? I, you know, I don't know. I... I have a bias to WCW and even Hulk Hogan as I'm not a Hulk Hogan, you know, I wasn't, I didn't grow up on him. So I'm like, eh, you know what? Maybe it is my bias to Hogan. I, you know what I mean? No, I don't know. But, I mean, we all have him. I mean, he, Randy Savage was also in this match too. So, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big Savage yeah, guy. Yeah. It's but. like, it's like, let's do the mega powers angle, but like, let's just kill everybody. Like, oh, like give him, give him machine guns. Like, I don't get like. And, and, but you know what? It's funny you say that because like the Dungeon of Doom, like I didn't, I, I didn't grow up in the eighties or seventies. I didn't really like know Kevin Sullivan. I didn't like, like the Dungeon of Doom. Like, for the Kevin record, Sullivan was clear. not, you know, Kevin Sullivan was like this annoying little pipsqueak of pipsqueak of a guy. Like this guy is gonna stop Hulk, Hulkamania. Andre the Giant couldn't do it. King Kong Bundy couldn't do it. But somehow, you know, you paint some fucking lightning bolts on your head, and you're you're the man who can do it. Kevin Sullivan? I mean, oh, come I on. love Kevin Sullivan. Everybody oh, is. come on. I don't, that whole thing where... Think, think how much goal it took for him to be be okay with the whole woman and Chris Benoit versus him. That's his wife. And he knows Chris Benoit's cheating on his wife. And they, they use it as a wrestling angle. I, Kevin Sullivan, I'm sorry. I think he's one of the best of all time. <sighs> um... Wow, I'm gonna let you guys have it out with this one. Kev, you know what? He's very good at this. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna set this up a little bit. Okay. We've had a couple times where we've gone through these conflicts live and on the floor at work. 
Uh, I will. I will say the first one was a is, was a recent one. A, a conversation where you would you'll like this. He called Jason Degrom, New York Mets pitcher, a first ballot Hall of Famer. I almost dropped everything in my no, hands no, no, to no. go nuts. No, no, not today. I'm just saying if he continues to pitch the way he's pitching, he's a, yeah, he's gonna be a first ballot. That's and, it. That's insane. I'm call, you're drunk. I'm calling you an Uber. That's insane. <laughs> That's insane. It, but more wrestling related, we had a conversation a few months ago, and it was. And again, and I'll and I'll kind of round this out. He he says that the best wrestling announcers in the history of wrestling are Joey Styles. I which love him. I do. Sounds like you do. And uh, Vince McMahon. Oh, I love him too. Absolutely. I think Vince McMahon and and Jared King Law might be the best common commentary I've ever heard. That's my opinion. so so to sum that up. Dennis is a troll. So when we had these discussions about <laughs> Jason DeGrom and Vince McMahon and their place in history and their respective vocations, uh, I was like ready to fight him because <laughs> was, it was that insane. Dennis probably sensed my, the, the, saw the steam coming out of my, my ears. So he, he had to kind of... He clocked out and took his 15-minute break. <laughs> I wouldn't let him if he wanted to. Um, but he was like, look, I'm just kidding. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> He worked you. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I'm like, there's no way you pretended this whole time that Vince McMahon is the greatest announcer ever. There's no way. Uh, no. Wait, wait, wait. You take so, it out of context. And do I think Vince McMahon is the best, call, uh, the best commentator of all time? No. Well, you I did just, say that. I just think Jerry King Lard and him together was the most entertaining, in my opinion. That uh, was the most entertaining and uh, commentating I've ever heard in my life. Between their jokes and Vic McMahon trying to, you know, trying to be over the top, not trying to like expose them to business and trying to be like, have like a, like a, a sports competition. Guy, yeah. like, you, you know, you're trying to call like almost like a boxing match, per se. And then you got Jerry King Lauer, which is trying to make jokes about his wiener, sleeping with girls and all that stuff. I just thought the two, like, like when you put them together, were just so freaking entertaining. I thought they were amazing. Great. So now this brings us back to Kevin Sullivan, the greatest of all time. He's doing it again. Never said greatest. You're doing of all it time. again. You said one of the greatest of all time. You said one of the greatest of all. Okay. One of the greatest of all time. You should apologize. I just think. Okay. I do. Speak into the microphone and apologize. All right. To the listening audience of kicking out at two, I apologize for my statement because I, I am digressing. He is not one of the best of all time, but I thought he was a very good hero. There are better really Sullivans did. than Kevin Sullivan. And who's better Sullivan than Kevin Sullivan? I grew up with a kid named Jeff Sullivan. He's better than him. As of wrestling, come on, good judge. What about Kevin Sullivan's younger brother, Dave Sullivan? Dave Sullivan, yes. He actually was good. I liked Dave Sullivan. I did. I did not. Then he was a face, and his brother was a heel, and I liked it. Especially when he had the stupid storyline about the rabbit. He had that pet rabbit. It's like Lenny. Oh yeah, no, you're right. From old Mice and Man. I'm glad it's George. The rabbits. I think Diamond Dallas Page kidnapped the rabbit. He did. He did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now we know where the pepper angle came from. We're really getting off the rails here, but yeah, that's my guilty pleasure: the Tower of Doom match itself not necessarily the context of the match but the concept of the cage itself yes it's never been done since but for me personally i just thought like that's a pretty impressive structure right there like yeah th- th- that's just for me all right round three are we on round three now i think so yeah yeah we've all hit two we've net written round three of our guilty pleasures dennis all right so round three has got has got to be i enjoy watching athleticism wrestling matches so Shocker. it doesn't have to be necessarily good ring psychology as long as you entertain me 
I am very satisfied with, 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 with wrestling. For, for example, the Young Bucks. I absolutely <laughs> adore, adore the Young Bucks. I'm going to go take a piss while you guys fight this one. With, <laughs> with that being said, that, 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 uh, in the, in, in the uh, not, not this one I'm referring to, but the one before, the latest kicking out of it too, you mentioned that you don't particularly like the Young Bucks. And, and, and with that being said, uh, that, that, that I just think, if you, if you entertain me, it doesn't matter if, if it has no ring psychology, uh, that, that if you're exposing the business per se, if you have been exposing the business in the war, uh, for, for forever and a day, yeah. I dare Jim Cornette saying, oh, exposing the business was business. He, smoking Mountain Wrestling, he promoted, uh, you, you know, the prince, I forget what his name was, but the mummy. For example, that, 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 that's not exposing the business, but, in, but anyway, yeah. you know, we've been doing it since the, 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 the first match ever, exposing the business. Yep. Per se. But anyway, that, that, I don't care if you expose the business, you're doing all this flippy, uh, you, you, you know, uh, you, what do they call it? spot monkey stuff. Yep. I, it, that, that, uh, that, that my guilty pleasure number three is, as long as you entertain me, I don't care. I, I don't care about about ring psychology and all whatever. You know what I mean? Okay. All right. Well, I, I I'll, I'll go on record as saying that um, I'm not too familiar with the Young Bucks. I've seen some of their stuff, uh, and I I respect the athleticism. I respect even some of the entertainment that they bring. Okay. Uh, I respect the fact that they are two guys that are helping lead a. A, a charge in wrestling that's going to help benefit guys that don't work for WWE because most people look at WWE in some ways as the top of the mountain in terms of what you can make financially in the wrestling business. And they're taking um, the business itself and they're changing it from the outside. They're giving, they're, they're, they're laying the groundwork for guys to make money outside of WWE and not necessarily have to worry about it. I'm not saying everyone's going to get rich outside, you know, working outside of the WWE, but they're, they're along with Cody Rhodes and Omega to a certain extent they're 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 building a platform and a brand for themselves outside of Vince McMahon's sports entertainment bubble I, I have nothing but respect for that they have endorsement deals with Hot Topic uh, the, the 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 merchandise aspect of their of their 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 building process with ProWrestlingTees.com I can't knock any of that I just don't think the sun rises and sets with those guys same thing with Omega I was I, I enjoy some of their matches and the athleticism that they bring but for guys and I've said this to you off the air I said this on the the, the one of our recent episodes of Kicking Out It Too, uh, for guys who claim to be trailblazers and innovators in this business, they certainly rip off the 90s quite a bit with the, the 47 crotch chops and the, the two sweets and the... the they super su kick party! Yeah, the fucking super kick. Like, I love the super kick when Shawn Michaels delivered it. And, it, and they're not the only guys that butcher finishing moves, okay? I'm not going to sit here and... And, and go through a list of people, but I'm a, I was a big Jake the Snake guy, and I love the DDT, my favorite finishing move. Him and Arn Anderson, two best to execute the DDT, and the DDT is now just like an arm drag takedown, in my opinion, in wrestling. And it's because people have butchered it to death. They've killed the super kick, in my opinion. They use it 47 times in a match, and it's just after, like, the seventh one, I'm like... All right, I get the point. You know what I mean? Like I, to me personally, not knocking their ability, not knocking what they bring to the business. I can see the appeal that they have with a lot of people. Yes, they can be entertaining, but I think sometimes, you know, there's 
I don't think they bring a good balance in terms of entertainment and ring psychology, but I could, I could totally respect your view on them as talents, and I'm not taking away what they bring to the business, but everybody I talk to, it's like, oh, well, the Young Bucks are the hottest thing, and if Young Bucks go to WWE, they're going to do this, and, and the ratings will go through the roof, and I don't necessarily think that's the truth. Do I think they would make a good impact if they were – if they were portrayed a certain way that, that accentuates their positives and goes with their strengths, absolutely. But at the same time, I think, too, there's their style of wrestling, their brand, if, if it, it's, it appeals to a, a niche audience, but to casual wrestling fans that watch WWE, I don't think they would get or understand them. And that's not a knock to them, but that's just the world that, that Vince McMahon and WWE has created uh, within the wrestling business in the last 17 years. So um, totally have a ton of respect for them as, as performers and athletes. But, you know, sometimes I get into some of these arguments with these fucking kids online. And maybe it's just because I'm an old curmudgeon, but I, I, I just don't see the worldwide mass and appeal. I understand it, but I just don't see it. That's just me. So, well, that being said, that that uh, I think we're we're we'll go back to originality. That that. Uh, but I think there any any kind of wrestler, tag team, single wrestler, you get you get that that your your impact is based on three things: draw power, mm-hmm. talent, mm-hmm. and overall impact. And I think you gotta go. You're talking. We talked to your, your, your subject matter. You coach, you brought me up about the, the, the Mount Rushmore of tag teams. I'm not gonna put any of you two on the spot. With that being said, I just don't think anybody, ta- any tag team, has more impact than the Young Bucks have done in the last couple of years. I think you gotta go back to, to, to for draw power and just like matches in general, like must see tag team. I think you gotta go back to Rock and Roll Express, yep. Midnight Express, or like, or, or like you know the Von Erichs versus the Freebirds. Okay. I think you gotta go all the way back there, where or LOD, of course, and that that where, where a tag team can actually main event or like have a draw, and then, then, then the Young Bucks. And if I get digress again, you're talking about originality. Absolutely, they steal stuff. But take AWO. They worked off old Jimi Hendrix's, uh, you know, he, they pretty much Ooh, took the rip off Jimi Hendrix. The DX was a total rip off of the NWO. It, the Triple H and, and Shawn Michaels won't admit that. that, that, uh, that, that so, so if it entertains people, people will rip it off. Absolutely. That, 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 uh, that, uh, and let's be fair. Sports in general. As Justin would mention, it's not based on originality. It's about getting results done. And the Young Bucks can entertain the crowd, control the crowd. And, yeah, they're, 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 well, you can't do it anymore. The season desist. But, but yeah, they're throwing a two-sweet sign. Or, you know, the suck it, you know, whatever I'm saying. If it entertains the crowd, guess what? Mission accomplished. Shit, man. We, you just nailed it, dude. If this was a debate, I think I would score one for Dennis. Or that's... I mean, I still don't like the Young Bucks, but... No, like you make great points. I, I can't. What was the guilty pleasure again? <laughs> the guilty pleasure. Uh, the, 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 I'm sorry, Dave. Was it your turn? Or, uh, anyway, no, no, no. Uh, mine turn. was No Psychology. If you're entertaining uh, me, I yes. swear the Terminator Two is my favorite movie. So it's like shut my brain. Entertainment. Yeah, like I said, entertainment value outweighs the lack of logic. Sometimes. He, he's he's, he's what he's saying is, is that like the Young Bucks kind of have defied traditional wrestling rules per se in terms of their presentation and what they bring to the business, and and That's he's and, and he's in favor of that, which I. I 
I'll be honest with you. Like, I can't knock or, or disagree with you there. But my, I just, I guess maybe as, as Bruce Pritchard would say, I got to try it on. You know what I mean? And, 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 and see if it fits for me as, as a viewer. But I had one experience watching them live. Uh, they, they wrestled for Northeast Wrestling locally in Connecticut a couple of years back. They wrestled Alberto Del Rio, who I can't fucking stand, and Matt Hardy in a tag team match. And the whole match was suck it, suck it, suck it, too sweet, super kick, suck it, suck it, too sweet, super kick, suck it, too sweet. You know what I mean? Like, I just... I was I was turned off by it after like the fourth second, you know, and 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 that was just me personally. But I that that was a good one, man. That was definitely a good one. As we continue round three with, uh, I'm gonna switch it up a little bit. I'm gonna go this time. If that's sure. okay with you. Sure. One guilty pleasure of mine that I think universally wrestling fans uh, have a tendency to shit on. Something that I think WWE has kind of created this narrative a little bit. And it's in terms of uh, uh, Vince Russo's form of storytelling. In 1998, I was a big fan of the Brawl for All concept. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I loved it. I was uh, a big fan of the Brawl for All concept. I dug it. Because oh, my God. At the time... You had different things going on on Monday Night Raw. You had Austin and McMahon. You had The Undertaker. You had DX and The Nation. Uh, you had, the, you know, Sable, the, the sex appeal. And even to a certain extent, you brought it up earlier, the light heavyweight division. But the Brawl for All concept for me, I thought it was I thought it was a good way to, in, in, in a sense, um, establish someone and use that as a platform for guys that aren't being used as much. If you remember some of the names in that tournament, you had The Godfather. You had uh, Blackjack Bradshaw, who's now JBL. You had uh, Draws, Marvelous Mark Merrow, my boy, Dr. Death, uh, Steve Williams. Um, that was a good year. You had, you, had a, you had guys that weren't being used enough. Bob Holly, eventually the winner of that, Bart Gunn. Um, you had guys that weren't being used as much on TV, and you took something that at the time was pretty popular. If you remember the FX Tough Man competitions, this was before like UFC really burst onto the scene. It was like a mixture of mixed martial arts and 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 boxing, but brought into like the pro wrestling sports entertainment world. I thought it was so cool. I, I didn't think it was Destination TV every week, but I thought like, wow, they they could really do do something here. Now I'm 35 years old. Hindsight being 2020, 20, probably not the safest thing to have those guys go out there and beat the shit out of each other other on a weekly basis but the, my biggest takeaway from the brawl for all not the fact that 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 dr death got knocked out by bart gun and not the fact that bart gun was the sleeper winner of that tournament but for me personally i really saw big things from savio vega coming from that tournament because he had a a knockdown drag out i think with draws and i I dug Savio Vega as a kid. I thought he was a talented performer, and I thought a, a brawl for all victory for him could have really established himself um, as a bigger star than he was post the brawl for all concept. And I know people crap all over it and 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 aren't necessarily fans of the idea, but I don't. Know, I dug it. In 1998, as a teenager, I thought it was pretty cool seeing these guys go out there and and, and clobber each other. You know, I'll say this. I think what I dug about it that I would probably... I don't know if you mentioned... I, I, I can't say I dug the whole concept, but what I think I liked that they did is that they changed the presentation. Again, it, they, they kind of brought, you know, they brought the house lights down. Yeah. They did, like, that boxing field. Just yeah. The spotlight on the ring. Yeah. Those things I thought, which I think wrestling needs more of. Not necessarily the specifically that, but 
the overall change up of presentation in a two three hour show yeah yeah you know what i mean just the visual aesthetic aspect of of it and i think that that would be that would be something i really liked about it with that being said uh i don't think history treats it well and i would i would agree with that history however i think a modernized version of the brawl for all in 2018 in some other fashion, I'm not saying you put them in a UFC type scenario, but something that kind of captures that, um, like tough man, come as you are, battle the tough guys, you know, to go back to, you know, no Mr. Mr. Brell, <laughs> if you will, and Zeus of No Holds Barred fame, uh, I think is something that would have an interesting place. On the WWE Network, they do a Cruiserweight Classic, they do a Mae Young Classic, a Dusty Rhodes Invitational. What's stopping them from doing a little bit of a of something on the on the Brawl for All variety? That I think I think if you with more with lessons learned from Brawl for All the original, you could bring a a, a retooled and reshaped vision of that live from Full Sail University uh, or taped. And do with much more fluff around it. I think. Uh, outside of that, you know, it it was an idea that just didn't land right, and that's I think where I would agree um, with most people when I say it sucked. Now you got my back on this, Dennis. Your take on the brawl for all? I loved it. I I don't necessarily. Well, granted, the people like Haku. And of course, it was in WCW at the time. But I I, I don't know. If they, I don't know if they booked the right dudes for it. But the the right and left, WCW, even, even ECW, they were exposing the business. And they really were. And so I think in back rooms, if I had to guess the origins of Brawl for All, the, the higher-ups are saying, man, we're exposing the business. We, wh- how are we going to get back on course? Shoot fights. Duh. So I think they did shoot fights. That, 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 uh, just to bring back, to show everybody, hey, we're not fake. I know I made a big, oh, Vince McMahon, I made a big press release, we're sports entertainment, we're fake, and all this other stuff, blah, 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 blah. But now, look, we're fighting for real. And I think they wanted to show everybody, hey, uh, hey, look, we're real. Look at this. We're literally punching ourselves in the face. This is not fake. And that, that, uh, look at us, you know? So I think it was a good ploy to say, hey, Look at us. We're not fake. We're fighting. I thought it was a good idea. I really do. Like, uh, like, 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 does Bark Gun and Boxing Gloves draw money? No. Oh, no, it didn't. They, they, they did not get the person that they wanted. They never let him, they never let him cut a promo, man. Come on, that guy probably had the gift of gab. And and then, uh, actually, the only time I, I can remember him ever doing a promo it was against uh, the first match with Mankind on, on Raw, and then five seconds later, he's getting the mantle claw again. Uh, that, that, uh, but anyway, that's uh, that's, shit, that's crazy uh, you remember that. Uh, well, that uh, holy cow, I oh, I, I love Mankind. Um, he's one of my, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Oh, my goodness. Uh, that, uh, but, uh... But yeah, that, that Bart did not, or Billy, believe it or not, too. Uh, that I know that sounds blasphemous, but I didn't think neither of the smoking guns had the gift for gap. I really didn't. I thought I thought the road dog carried uh, the uh, New Age Outlaws, but I'm digressing. But uh, that, um, but yeah, I thought it was a good idea. Seriously, that that that, that everyone and their mother was like, wrestling's fake, wrestling's fake, wrestling's fake. Let's show them something real. And and I thought it was a good idea. Bad, badly booked, good concept. 
Yeah, I mean that, that that's the kind of the general idea I was going. I was surprised, honestly, that like, not that, like I said, I, I really had high hopes for Savio Vega because I just enjoyed the fight he had with Draws. But Mark Merrow, I think, was in that tournament too. Yep. And at the time, he was marvelous. Mark Merrow, he was a Golden Gloves boxer. boxer yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I thought that could have been something that. Because let's face it, let's be honest. I think we can all universally agree. Him getting power bombed by Sable made him look so fucking silly and stupid that, like, I would, I would dare to say that was the downfall, the beginning of the downfall of his career. Was you know getting jobbed out to his own wife that with this brawl for all concept having like the rest of us, right? Yeah, (laughs) that's that's very true. Yes, I do the job every single night till death do us part. Thank you, Nikki. Anyhow, um, marvelous Mark Merrill being a boxer. I thought this would have been a great platform if he would have won and really, you know, um, kind of come back from the dead so to speak because a, a couple months prior he was eating power bombs from his wife sable in the middle of the ring and the people were people were loving it and i just thought it was it was kind of silly on on uh on their part the way that they had uh orchestrated that but we round out round three as i uh had it, you know take it off with uh justin here what a stay so i so my first one was a uh a concept and kind of like characters that I thought could have led that concept with the light heavyweights. I talked about a show with WrestleMania 11. I'm going to go with a match concept um, that I thought was very underrated and sadly probably won't be used for a long time. The concept of the championship scramble. Wow, that really hit the thing, yeah, did you? Not a big the fan. championship scramble I thought was a phenomenal idea. You're talking about the five guys in the ring, and they, they, they it's like a time limit. And yeah, the guys come and in. You like, can pin each other as many times as who, and, and whoever someone's is. Someone's a temporary champion yes, until they get pinned and, again before the time yes, limit. Yes, okay. I thought that All was right. a awesome concept. You have the ability to use time to your advantage in a psychological aspect. You can take guys and put them in a scenario that can help. Um, at least perceptually elevate them. You know, not that they're going to talk amongst yourselves. Now I'm going to go hit the head as uh, we continue here with uh, the the guilty pleasures episode of kicking out of two. I guess championship scrambles brought to you by Mike Adamley are not that interesting, but I thought, and Dennis, maybe please correct me if I'm wrong, but I just think it was a cool concept to kind of, I'm not saying pass the title around because I know at least the way WWE presented it in their in their matches is like if you had won a pinfall, you were the quote interim champion. So, you know, not that you we kind of picture them as the champion, but as a fan, like let's go back to a Packers Vikings game, if you will. If there was a point in the game, maybe late in the fourth quarter, where the Vikings were winning, and you know, again, it, you're getting closer to the finish line, what do you typically kind of do in your head? At least me. I envision what that end, you know, if the game ended right now, here's the result. How does that just change the hopes of my favorite team? You know what I mean? That's kind of how I feel as a fan. The game's over. The Vikings are winning. Damn, what happens to the Packers? What happens to the Vikings? And you kind of plan ahead in in your brain. And I feel like it was an interesting concept to see, like, say, the Brian Kendrick in a championship scramble match where he wins the WWE World Heavyweight title as the interim champion. Well, you know he's not going to walk out with the thing, but at least for a moment you're like, hmm, what if this match, what if, what if the power went out and this match was over? He's the WWE World Headway Champion. I just thought, and again, using time to the advantage of, you know, as a, as a tool to, to kind of direct storytelling, I thought it was very interesting. 
please, please let me know what you think. All right, so clearly, I'm in the minority, and again, like the way the, you didn't hit too well with you guys. So, so the downfall, in my opinion, to the scramble was they made it obvious that they wanted, like, you know, we watch like Olympic marathon running, right? What do you get? You get the rabbits, right? Those guys that go a balls to the wall right out of the gate just to get exposure on TV, right? That, 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 uh, so you get the rabbit wrestlers, right? You get the guys who you have, you know for sure they're not going to walk out the champion. Yeah, well, the young early, early, yeah, early, 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 you get the early pinfalls, right? You get the rabbits right out of the, out of the gate. Young bucks, that, yeah. that, uh, I just think uh, that, that, that when you do a scramble, have, I mean, let's just say, you know, you get, like, you know, your Randy Orton's of the world or whatever, you know, and then you get John Cena, and then you get three guys, you know, mid-quarters, Colito, you know, you get the gist. But, but, but like, have the heavyweights just dominate the match. I think that would be more intriguing, or like, like, like almost like a glorified Iron Man match. Uh, that that then I have the scramble when you got the Brian Kendricks of the world uh, being your temporary the world champion. Brian Kendricks. I'm sorry, Mr. Dave. <laughs> uh, that, that, uh, but but uh, no, I'm just messing uh, with you. But but uh, yeah, that, that that I hated that they had the the rabbit system in place. They wanted to get their undercard and just get the glory first. And then you know the real champion's gonna get the You know what? That's balls. that's fair. I that's didn't a like fair it. criticism. I think to me, I guess it was a concept where that they didn't. They just scratched the surface on it. I feel like, and they history is allowing them to attach that concept to one Mike Adamley, former Raw general manager, which I think allows them to kind of step away from it, backtrack. But I feel like okay, the rabbit system. It sounds like again a very fair criticism, and I would say that. Again, they didn't scratch the surface on it. They could have gone with kind of what you're saying and had five elites in there or two or three elites, no pun intended, uh, in there that could have kind of dominated the match and kind of traded wins and really had this back and forth. Basically, if you think about it, it's almost a five-man Ironman match. So, again, they just they brought, they brought they introduced the concept, but they just, to me... Why I think it didn't hit was because it's they didn't scratch the surface, and I feel like they could have continued to do that. And you know what? It's sad to think that it, based off recent events at Extreme Rules with the, 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 the time clock kind of, you know, being the fans' more interesting um, object of desire, uh, it, it sounds like to me they probably won't bring back a lot of time matches like that. But I think a championship scramble would be a great way to really load up a card on a pay-per-view that no one really cares about and really make for an interesting title picture. Scramble up the title picture, if you will, as by design. So Not, that's just how I feel about it. And I think, yeah, that's... Please bring it back to WWE, please. I, I just want you to know, when you when you brought up the, you know, your, your guilty pleasure, it wasn't... My, my reaction wasn't based on the fact that I didn't like it. I think it was my reaction trying to remember what it was, because there's there's been so many different variations of matches like that before, so I was trying to, in my head, go ahead. So I just w- want you to know that it wasn't me, like, being like, oh, that idea fucking sucks, but... Oh, yeah, I didn't come up with it, so I don't... idea fucking sucks. I didn't come up with it. But but no, but what I'm yeah. saying is, is that, like, I... I my reaction when you when you you know revealed your your third guilty pleasure wasn't you know me being like oh he liked that like no that's not that wasn't the case at all but with that being said um i didn't love or hate the concept the one thing i didn't like about it that i thought was kind of silly was the fact that guys could temporarily be the champion in the match but it doesn't count in the record books you know what i mean it, it it's it's almost in a way like 
it's almost in a way like let's say in like a basketball game if a guy shoots a basket and he gets two points they count it as how many points they scored in the match or in 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 the basketball game but at the end of the day he could score all these points. His team won or lost. They still count his points. They didn't count when Brian Kendrick or Shelton Benjamin won a, a pinfall during that match. They were the temporary WWE Interim champion at the that word. time. And I was saying to him, like, to me, I thought that brought out an interesting thought process as a fan. You watch a game, and again, I brought up football, so I'll, I'll, I'll replace the Packers example with the Giants. Say the Giants are playing the Minnesota Vikings, and the Giants are winning with three minutes left. Mm-hmm. At least in my brain, when, when my favorite team or the team I'm rooting for is in, in the lead winning and you get close to the finish line, you're kind of thinking, wow, like, you're kind of envisioning, okay, what's the next step? Are they going to go to the playoffs? Like, who are they playing next? You kind of put the pieces together in your yeah. head. You fantasy book. Yeah, you kind of close your eyes a little bit and go like, okay, maybe if you're in the Super Bowl, if you will, you're in the, you close your eyes and you go, man, that confetti's coming down and... You know, Odell Beckham Jr. is going to win the MVP, and it's going to be amazing, and it's going to be so cool. And you kind of just envision the celebration, if you will. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's an element that the championship scramble brought. No, Brian Kendrick was not leaving WWE champion. Shelton Benjamin was not doing that either. But at least it, it gave you that fleeting, like, almost marketing-like concept of uh, and a test run. Could I accept that guy as the champion? Could in the, I in, the, in those few moments is what you're yeah, saying? Almost, yeah, like in a in a in a, in a very um, market research environment. Okay, you know, and I get, and, and that's a great environment for the crowd to kind of make their judgments right away, and you know that may have made or break careers in that sense. But I thought that was a really cool, almost viewer, viewer's choice concept. I know, never thought they listen like to the that. fans on a nightly basis, or they say they do. And the championship scramble is a perfect example, I think, of could have been a perfect example of that in a match where it's kind of, you know, one, two, three, ding, 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 your winner and interim champion at such and such time and such and such seconds, Shelton Benjamin. Now, let me ask you this, because you, this is your guilty pleasure. You obviously, you know, had to go back in your mind or even do some research on this. If I am correct... Did you have to pin the interim champion to become the interim champion? Or did you have to pin anyone to become the interim champion during that allotted time? Mm. I don't exactly remember how it took, you know, even though it is my guilty pleasure, I can't take ownership of it. The concepts, specifics, I don't remember how exactly they did it. I think you could get away with doing it either way. Because if you think about it, you could win a triple threat match without paying the champion. So mm-hmm. I think, logically speaking, you could get away with doing it either way. Yep. Um, and that probably makes it more interesting if you mm-hmm. don't pin the champion, the current champion, if you will, the interim champion. Um, but yeah, I don't... And again, that, that, that lays the groundwork for, for other aspects. And again, the timed aspect of it, I think, gives a certain... You know, you watch a game, you watch a, an event, you watch a movie of a sports game, and, you know, the clock ticks. Yep. Three, two, and whether it's the shot going off the air or the trying to cross the end zone, you kind of, like, you know, what's going to happen? And that kind of happens in an Ironman match. That happens in the World Rumble. Yep. And I know the fans have kind of hijacked the moment a little bit in recent events, but it's still a tool to use that they can really use in a way that makes things more entertaining. That I, like again, I think it's it's my guilty pleasure because it's an absolute shame that they didn't kind of 
dig deeper on the concept. Yeah, I, I mean, another question I have for you regarding this. Um, I had said the one thing I didn't like about it was the fact that the interim champions title victory in that match doesn't count at the end of the match. It's it's in some ways an interim, you know, an interim decision. Do you think that that was designed in the event that there was negative backlash in the event that, let's say, a Brian Kendrick got the victory and was announced as the interim champion and the audience didn't really care for it? Do you think it was designed that way so that, like I said, the audience shits all over it, then, uh, you know, you're not going to get the response that you want. So do you think, long story short here, do you think do you think it's it's a good move for them to not count the championship history within the context of that match? I don't think it matters either way, but I think you ought. I mean, you could turn. I mean, wor, you know, worst case scenario, if you counted it, it's in your profile. You know, it's in a superstore profile on the WWE app. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You go look up your favorite wrestler on the app, and it shows you their height, their weight, yep. and their basics, right? And their accolades, and you have interim WWE champion. That's the worst case scenario. The best case scenario is, you know, Brian Kendrick parading around as a gimmick saying he was the interim WWE champion, which could be good for good TV, too. I think it's worth counting. You know, how many times do, you know, especially in the recent years of, you know, MMA and such like that, you have interim champions. Yeah. Um, And that ends up being a a device to kind of take you to, well, who's the real champion? You know what I mean? And then building up towards the Who's to say an interim champion who ends up losing lays claim to a title shot by the current champion, but was never beat by that guy. Mm-hmm. So it's just something you could use to kind of build to something else. So I think it, I think it, it would have been appropriate to count that um, as far as I'm concerned. That's mm-hmm. kind of how I feel about it. Okay. Like I said, they scratched the surface a little bit on what, a, on a cool concept in my opinion, but they could have gone so much further with it. And, for whatever reason, whoever was in that room that day said it was it was the shits, but I would vehemently disagree. Okay. All right, Dennis, you just cracked open a new one. So why don't you uh, kick us off with the, uh, you know, the fourth round of our All guilty right. pleasures here. So one of my guilty pleasures is, I know it pisses off some people where the manager outshines, out, outshines the wrestler. I love a good manager, and I, and I don't mind managers stealing the show. I like like the Bobby Heenan's, the Jim Cornettes, even Sonny. I don't mind a good manager stealing the show. I would have to agree with you. I mean, I think managers, obviously managers back in, in, you know, early years really brought something to a character that might not have really gravitated towards the viewer watching, you know? There's a reason why Bobby Heenan was with King Kong Bundy and Big John Studd and the Barbarian and Haku, because by themselves, I don't think anyone would give a shit about them, you know? Bobby Heenan, in, in a way, was the attraction for that character that made you in some ways care about them, whether you love them or hate them. Um, as long as, like, I'm kind of on the same wavelength with you, in re- the same way you described your feeling about the Young Bucks and entertaining you. As long as it's entertaining for me, I don't care if they steal the show, you know? Th- there's there's special instances when it comes to managers where managers are needed for guys because they can't talk and the presentation is very lackluster and they kind of add to that presentation. And then there's situations, special circumstances, where guys don't need managers, but they're put with guys th- that they're put with managers that 
it, it, it doesn't make the presentation any better, but they just work so well together. Like, did Ric Flair need Bobby Heenan? No, he didn't when Ric Flair came to the World Wrestling Federation. But in, to, to casual WWF fans that didn't watch the NWA and, and Jim Crockett promotions, they didn't know who the fuck Ric Flair was. So associating Ric Flair with a guy like Bobby Heenan helped Ric Flair's status, even though he didn't really need the help. But, but Heenan, for that short period of time, he did just as much work in Flair's corner as Flair did in the match against guys like Hogan and Piper and things like that during that time period. So I'm on the same way wavelength with you that I'm okay and I'm cool with managers stealing the show and and in some ways uh, you know overshadowing the talents that they're managing but within the right circumstances um I think the one nugget there that I kind of attached myself to was that managers are put with a guy for a reason you know and I think you know we're all working guys. We, we, we got a job. We're assigned. We get paid. We go and we go and do it. And, um, you know, managers are asked are put again. They're, they're put with them for a reason for a variety of reasons, whether it's to get a guy over, whether it's to further elevate, uh, you know, a package or whatever. And I think that outside of the, 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 the rule the out, the overweight the outside of the rule that I mentioned earlier I feel like that um, your job in many cases is to get that guy over so when you become more entertaining um, you're kind of shitting on that guy um, I respect guys who have the skill that want to take that and, and and entertain like I said entertainment value outweighs the lack of logic. Every day, twice on Saturdays, four times on Sundays. But um, promoter grabs you and says, "Hey, man, you know I'm putting you with Wrestler X. He's really good, but I feel like you guys would be even better together. Or he really doesn't know how to talk. I need you to do that." There's a certain art to taking your heat as a manager, especially in the old days, and putting it on your charge. Charge being your your client. Um, which you don't really see a whole lot of. Um, even with a guy like Paul Heyman, he doesn't. He he he's a he's a magnet for heat and appreciation for his skill, but he doesn't put that heat on Brock Lesnar. Um, at least I don't think he puts enough of it. Brock Lesnar certainly has enough to ability to generate his own heat. But again, I feel I feel like managers more so they in my lifetime just haven't had the ability to do that, put heat on their guy to really take all of what they do, take it what the fans give them and throw it on their guy. Um, and a, a, an overly entertaining manager that outshines their charge to me is not quote best for business. You got a job to do. Go carry out the orders. Yeah, make sure your your talents are well represented, but in the long run, you're going to do yourself a better favor if you can put over another talent. Ask Ric Flair. He did it, he, he did it for 40 years. So this is what I like about managers, right? So wrestlers, you've got to entertain the entire audience. If you're not entertaining the entire audience, you're doing something very wrong. With managers... They are taking individuals and trying to get them involved. And that's what I love about managers. A good manager 
doesn't cater to the whole crowd. He caters to that one person. He antagonizes them, antagonizes them. So he loses his mind. And when, when, when you call it insanity, it's contagious. And that, 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 uh, so, so if you want a good riot, then, like the riots when it comes to Rock and Roll Express and, and, and the Midnight Express, it wasn't because we, we, we could, because what 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 Dennis uh, I forget I forget his name but anyway it wasn't it wasn't because of what uh, what the wrestlers were doing it's because of what Jim Cornette were doing Dennis Condry yeah, Dennis Condry lover and Bobby Bobby Eaton beautiful thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you gentlemen thank you gentlemen like I I mentioned before I'm not I'm not the historian like you two are but but but, but I just know the wrestlers no you know you, uh, you can hold your own anyway I appreciate you Dave yeah, but, but anyway what happened give yourself credit I was saying. How people get emotionally attached or hatred or all that stuff really became, like, in old school wrestling, really became because of the managers. The wrestlers, you're, you're getting entertained. But, but like, very suddenly, do you hate a wrestler or like a wrestler based on, like, them, per se? It's like, it's like the manager that brings, like, that extra kind of, like, emotional attachment it's like, oh, Jim Cornette did this today. I hate the Midnight Express. Or, like, you know, Queen Elizabeth, you know. I love Queen Elizabeth, so I want to be part of the Macho Man, you know, even though he's a Perfect lunatic. example of that. And again, I wasn't around for this, and I'm sure your memories, both of you being old men, can probably add more color to this. Uh, Piper's Pit, 1987, Hulk Hogan, and Andre the Giant shows up. And what does Hulk Hogan say to Andre? As as he sees Bobby Heenan in tow, what's he doing here? That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's all you needed to see. I mean, there was more that obviously went down the ripping of the cross and the shirt and the blood down the chest, but you knew something was up when sweaty Moon Pie Andre the Giant showed up <laughs> at Piper's Pit, and it was Bobby Heenan as his advocate, if you will. And uh, you also the have was laid down, and I would to your to your point, Dennis. Um, the manager kind of sets and paint, you know, kind of sets that tone, lays that foundation, puts the picture together to go. I know who Bobby Heenan is. I know who Jim Cornette is. He's a bad guy. What are you doing with that guy? But you know who doesn't get enough credit for that segment, not to go off on a tangent? Jesse the Body Ventura. Jesse Ventura, a week prior to that, on Piper's Pit, told Piper, you produce Hogan, I'll produce Andre. He was the one that was really stirring it up. Not not to take away from your point of yeah, yeah, Hogan's yeah. statement when Bobby walked in on Piper's Pit, but Jesse Ventura doesn't get enough credit for that segment and helping build that segment. You know what I mean? He's the one yeah. that really stirred it up. He was the one that really set the wheels in motion. You know, if you're, if you're really really want to think about it and they don't really focus on that enough and maybe that's just because of Jesse's on again off again relationship with the company or there's the fact that he's a weird fucking dude I don't know but I just wanted to get that out there definitely not enough credit for his contribution to making that historic moment in wrestling history that's an excellent point it's, I don't think honestly I've ever heard anyone even kind of shed light on that slightly so he was a shitster he, he stirred yeah. it up he no, stirred it up that's and that's the point. reason why Hogan and Andre babbled out at wrestling WrestleMania yeah. 3, not because Andre decided to side with Bobby the Brain Heenan. I'm sure Heenan's influence made that happen, but it was really Jesse Ventura that really, you know, stirred it up between Hogan and Andre. That, 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 uh, so, obviously, me and Justin were in the food business, so, so I just think a manager is the major D of the outfit. It's kind of like, you know, the servers are the wrestlers, you know? We're, we're, we're serving a bunch of tables all at the same time. 
But the major geek goes to each table and say, "How's your dining experience?" You know what I mean? Yeah. A manager could go, blah, 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 you know, you, you know, get all flustered. You know? Yeah. I think it's just an amazing concept that that they're doing like the table side service while the while, while the managers are doing like you know like like like, like the managers are doing the table touch. While, while the wrestlers are, you know, serving the meals to everybody. Or the gestures. And that's why I love about managers. They they are the only entity in wrestling that doing, uh, that, that, that besides entrances, that they are doing individual service. And I think they're so important. And that's why this day and age, we need more managers. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. I like that. I, 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 can, I can get on board with that. You, you, you both make great points. Continuing with round four, we're going to head it back. We're going to kick it back to you, Justin. Oh, man. Guilty like, pleasure number four. Guilty pleasure number four. Ooh. You know, I... I'm going to go with... The I'm gonna stay. Where, I'm gonna stay. Where, it didn't again. The, the surface wasn't scratched. I'm kind of gonna stick on the same level. But I was kind of digging Mike Adamley as the Raw General Manager for that brief time. You gotta forgive um, me. That's a guy from the American Gladiators. Yes, yes. you are former correct. pro football okay. player. Unfortunately, from what's been said in recent years, he's in a in a bad way. You know, CTE and such has kind of hit him and. Yeah, he's not he's not doing too great these days. Right, unfortunately. Uh, you know, hopefully things kind of shape up in a better way for him. But I kind of liked it. I remember at least the angle that brought him in. Shane McMahon introduced him. He kind of surprised everyone. No one really, no one saw that coming. Uh, and for that reason, it was odd, for sure. But the curiosity of it, I think, got me. Now, I also think they played well with the whole like, again, the guy just not being a good live commentator. And being good speaking in public, um, I thought that was they. They kind of. I think they they were forced to do that because of the audience's reaction to Adam Right, Lee's and you know what? I liked that. And there's saying, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and I, but you know what? Like you know that is that will be considered in the annals annals <laughs> of um of of general managers in wrestling history as not a very good one. But I thought that was a very underrated one that could have gone places. He could have been your. You're uh, your stumbling, bumbling, like, you know, spineless uh, general manager that kowtowed to whoever just to avoid confrontation or whatever. I, there was just so much more that could. It wasn't long. It wasn't a long lasting thing. Like I said, the championship scramble was probably one of his more notable contributions to the to the era of Mike Adamley. <laughs> but um, but I thought that, again, they didn't really they didn't really scratch the surface on it for whatever reason. And I again, I liked Again, I, I, I give you a wrestler, I give you a show, I give you a match, I'm going to give you an angle. And the angle of Mike Adamley as the raw general manager, I thought, was something that was very intriguing that really wasn't um, furthered enough, in my opinion. That's definitely, that's my uh, pick. Your take, Dennis. All right, so my biggest quarrel was what, what you just said, is Mike Adamley's m- most famous, famous, famous... Moment of all times, of course, when he botched. You gotta forgive me. It was either Matt or Jeff. Jeff Harvey. Jeff Harvey. Yes, I can't get through that. And of all places, Madison Square Garden, New York City, where they New York and Northeast wrestling fans will lynch you if you are not, you know, equipped with uh, you know wrestling knowledge. But go ahead. So, 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 so I'm making this short but sweet. 
So, Justin, Teddy, yeah, I think you're, once again, your last two rebuttals have not been very good. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, when your most memorable thing in the industry is a botch... You weren't very good. It's guilty pleasures, man, but you know what? Your guilty pleasure, non-wrestling related, you're a Vikings fan, I respect it. <laughs> um, you know, you're used to, to tragedy and falling short of expectations. You know, I, I would expect nothing less from you, Dennis, so, All Mr. Right. Dennis. Very fair, very fair endearing, Mr. Justin. Yeah, I mean, as far as Mike Adam Lee and his insertion as the uh, the, the raw general manager, um, it, it took me for a loop when it first happened. I was like, "What the fuck? This guy, the guy that you know can hardly uh, you know get through a, a an episode of ECW with Taz without you know screwing somebody's name up." I mean, what the heck? But I, I kind of saw what you saw in some ways the um, the curiosity and the fact that you know they were forced. Their hands were forced by the audience because the audience could could see, you know, through Mike Adamley in some ways um, because of his screw ups. Uh, I was to me personally, it didn't have like as much I didn't have as, as much invested into it. However, I kind of thought that this that his role as the raw gm at that time because if you remember i think they were starting a little bit of a power struggle with shane and stephanie if i'm not mistaken on raw um or at least they were leading towards that maybe i could be wrong i thought there was a bigger picture that someone else was pulling the strings with adam lee in that role i thought that it was going to lead to not necessarily a higher power but someone someone really calling the shots and adam lee was just the uh the, the gopher, if you will, in that role. That's just my take on it. It would have made sense. And I think that, you know, and I probably was, I was probably thinking along those lines, like, all right, where is this going? The WWE is the never-ending story. So when I see and hear people shit on something that happens, you'll probably see it happen, you know, tonight on Monday Night Raw. You know, something is introduced. You know, social media gives you the platform to shit all over it right away on, on, on page one. Um, it's the never-ending story, man. The pages keep turning. It's the longest book there is, and uh, there's more to go. And I think, like you said, there was there could have been potentially, and we have no idea, but there's a good chance that there was more to what was going to be presented to us than what we were seeing. So, okay, all right. Now let me cap off round four. As like I said earlier, we're in a th- as as you listen to the conversation as we continue this, you'll see a theme. Uh, you've kind of seen that a little bit with. Uh, with Hulk Hogan being, you know, part of two of my guilty pleasures, Finger Poker Doom and the Tower of Doom, ironically enough. Um, but WCW, another guilty pleasure of mine that took place in WCW was parts of the New Blood versus Millionaires Club storyline that was uh, constructed and written by... Bro. Yes, the ultimate bro, Vince Russo and Eric Bischoff. (laughs) Ready? I'm I'm sorry. I'm I'm a Jim Cornette super fan, so I'm... I'm, (laughs) Motherfucker! (laughs) We can get into that another time. I'm not a... Listen, I'm not a a Russo... uh, detractor but i'm also not in big support of him either but you know that's another story for another time i thought at the time i didn't think it was going to be the storyline that was going to turn things around for wcw because by that point the wwf and and their content they were you know in the lead and that was you know a a strong lead at that time in april of 2000 but i felt that because of the um the the 
the reality behind that storyline. We had heard rumors on the internet at that time of the political scene in WCW, a lot of the older talent allegedly holding back some of the younger talent, the politics between Hogan and Hall and Nash and Bischoff and, you know, ATM Eric and, you know, the creative control card and all these different terms and phrases and things that people have associated with the downfall of WCW. I thought, in theory, the New Blood and Millionaires Club storyline was something that had potential to be something really good that could gain some of WCW's fans back. I'm not saying that they would have taken the lead and they would have overtaken the WWF and we would be talking about something different today, but I, I, I kind of dug the, the, the realism behind it, you know? I wasn't the biggest fan of Hulk Hogan versus fucking Billy Kidman, I'll be honest with you, because... I was. You were, star press man up. Absolutely. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. Billy Kidman's athletic ability, I think, is you know second to none in some ways. But I, I wasn't necessarily buying Hogan and Kidman as a one-on-one match. But the Ric Flair-Shane Douglas rivalry that the two of them had behind the scenes and Douglas feeling like Flair had held him back. I thought incorporating that onto television was good. The Hogan-Kidman stuff. didn't Wasn't the biggest fan of it matchup-wise, but I, I like that they were toying with different ideas and using different guys like Kidman, Shane Douglas, Vampiro, and Sting. You had Kevin Nash, who was kind of an island unto himself. Uh, they were using guys like Scott Steiner and Booker T and Jeff Jarrett in prominent roles. I, I dug the early parts of it. Um, it obviously ran away from itself after, I would say, probably when David Arquette won the WCW heavyweight title at the time. But people yeah. people look at that storyline and they're like, oh, that's typical bullshit WCW. But I thought that there was some good to it that the, the, the theory and the reasons behind it to try and create new stars, I think there was, there was good behind it and the intention was good, but just executed very poorly. People say it sucked all around, but me personally... I really invested into it because I wanted to see WCW succeed. I didn't want to see them go under. And and maybe that's the reason why I I liked the the New Blood Millionaires Club storyline. Who wants to chime in? Oh, so oh, Finn's Russo. Oh, Jesus. I I could talk 3 hours just on that. But uh you can and, we and, will uh, eventually. Anyway, yeah, we'll, we'll we gotta, all right, so so let's digress the, 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 to uh to be like Vince Russo's importance, maybe accidentally, maybe maybe he was the brainchild of it. But granted, he was the head writer during the Attitude Era. So, Greg, congratulations to Vince Russo. He deserves but, uh, credit. And, 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 he deserves uh, the due credit. That for being sure. said, that's his highs. His lows. Dave Arquette has mentioned as champion. Yeah, Judy it, it, Bagwell on a pole. Oh, forklift. Just take, oh, just take, just Judy Bagwell yeah, on a pole forklift. can't hold that one. For the love of God, gentlemen, just take Impact Wrestling, right? Or TNA, whatever you want to call it. He right? had moments there. I'll give him Tell, just like that, he had AJ Styles. He had Samoa Joe. He had Sting, but he still can wrestle. That uh, he had all these, uh, 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 you, you know, uh, um, uh, Austin Aries. He had some of the greatest talent in the world on his roster. He had Okada. He had Okada on his roster. He didn't know what to do with Okada. You know what I mean? That's what I'm being said. That, 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 uh, he took some of the greatest talent Whoa. on the planet in, in the 90s and in the 2000s and totally did not know how to utilize it. As a head booker and head story writer, how can he not do that? Come on, Okada is just... 
a walk, as I mentioned before, a walk and dream match. Right, let me and ask you totally something. Let me, let me ask you something. You just said he didn't. He had some of the top talent, didn't know how to utilize them. If Vince Russo didn't put Booker T in the position that he did to win the WCW World Title from Jeff Jarrett after that whole worked shoot storyline with Hulk Hogan, if Vince Russo didn't do that, do you think Booker T would be as successful? Dave, an excellent rebuttal. This is what his strength was. You could be a jobber. As in Bear Horowitz, he's definitely he gave you an Booker. angle. He gave you an angle from jobber to head talent. I give him credit for everyone that. Everyone on the I everyone on the show that. had a purpose. But, 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 I'll give but you that, that being said, the elite of the elite of the elite, he did not know how to utilize you. Uh, that, oh, you got to say, okay, AJ Styles, you're you're, you're yeah, that that uh, you're you're just, just just give us one month, just for one day of the month, give us a five star match. He never did that. Just like Wait a minute, you're saying AJ never gave you a five-star match? No, 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 no. I'm just trying to clarify. No, I just want to clarify. No, 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 no. AJ Styles, ladies and gentlemen of, of the listening audience of Kick Out at 2, is arguably a top five talent at ever. At Kicking Out at 2. Ever. Kick Out at 2, excuse me. Well, 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 if I misspoke, I apologize. No, oh, social media plug. Yeah. At Kicking Out at 2. Facebook page, Kicking Out at 2. And then, uh, anyway, with that, Kicking uh, out at two. Like, 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 like I said, the, 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 but no. Vince Russo knew how to give everyone a storyline, but he did not know how to make a five-star match. I'm sorry. He did not. He well, did that's not his job how... either. He's not a producer. But yeah. but, no, no. But, but someone's got to tell me, is it coincidence or not that, 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 that WCW fell apart when he was a head writer and so did Impact Wrestling when you had someone the best talent all right, hold on. Time out, time out. I'm going to go back and call bullshit on that just for a second because okay. you had said earlier when we spoke about the finger poke of doom that those were the two biggest downfalls of the company at that time, the two biggest mistakes they oh, made. Absolutely. Goldberg getting Goldberg losing and then the finger poke of doom yeah, itself. Was, Russo, was never, Russo was not part of the company at that time. Okay. So, so that's a Boom! I, that, that, Sorry, I didn't mean to, I had a no, couple. No, not at all, Dave. Not at all, Dave. That was there... Was there recovery from that? I don't think there was. I think that was the. I think even though they were still ahead in the ratings and all that stuff, that that was the ECW. The, excuse me, the WCW uh, uh, kiss of death happened in that week. That 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 six days of just. Who? What are you thinking? Russo was just continuing to dig the grave, is what exactly, you're saying. Exactly. Okay. All right. That, fair that, enough. That, instead, instead of like coming up with some of the most innovative stuff that 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 that, uh, that he claims to, to have and that he's capable of doing, I'm part of. The, he's the best writer of all time. In the way the way, the way he talks. I don't think that either. But that, go that, ahead. Uh, but, but anyway, he, he, he that, that Vince Russo, you know, that that, uh, <laughs> that, that uh, he's a little crazy. That that uh, but. Uh, <laughs> Oh, but uh, that uh, that uh, yeah, I don't. I just don't think it's coincidence that that that, that, that kind of like the. I know Impact Wrestling still afloat, but they might as well close their doors. They're never going to make a profit. That 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 uh, that, that the, the, he ended the glory years of Impact Wrestling, and he ended the glory years of WCW. And I don't think that's a coincidence. I, I'm going to have to disagree with you. I'm not defending Russo, but I think WCW was a a. Um, a, a, a tainted brand from the get-go, from the time Ted Turner had bought it. Uh, that company 
with the with the exception of Ted Turner, wanted nothing to do with wrestling. They didn't put any effort or support into wrestling. A lot of people give WCW flack for the content that they produced, um, but the only person that made that company profitable and gave them a fighting chance was Eric Bischoff. Russo made attempts to and failed miserably, but. WCW was in the shitter before Russo showed up and, and brought his brand of sports entertainment. That's just my take on it. Um, you know, I, I will say I think again, it's I'm gonna kind of walk the line a little bit. Vince Russo has his place in history. I, I recall an interview, and he, it was said very succinctly by one Kevin Nash. But there was a podcast interview by Vince Russo on his podcast with Nash, and Vince Russo was told by Nash, you know, man. You don't have to explain nothing to anybody. You have your place in wrestling history, and you know what you've done. And I think he did that in a very reaffirming way to, to Russo, who I think in recent years has become very insecure with his place, despite how he wants to present himself. But, um, you know, I think it, it's... It, at the same time, he, he certainly will, will uh, fetch for the credit that I don't think he can solely claim to be his own. Um, we all, it, it, it's just, it just is what it is. Um, Vince Russo, I think, he was the champion of the underdog. And I think that promo he cut about Booker T and the whole Jeff Jarrett, Hulk Hogan scenario, he was the guy that championed pushing newer guys. And I like that about him. And I think he wanted to do that in TNA. He did it in WWE. That's probably my my uh, opinion of Vince Russo as a whole. I think I don't want to say go away, Vince Russo, in 2018, but you're digging, you're doing more harm than good by trying to by trying to justify what you what you've done and what you believe to be correct. He's trying to stay relevant at the expense of today's current wrestling. Right, and you don't need to do that. Yeah. You, you have nothing to be ashamed of for what you've done in wrestling, but. But if you try to further, it's again digging your own grave. If you, you ha, you've done what you've done, you don't bat a thousand. No one does in life. Um, you don't need to justify it to try to keep yourself relevant. And uh, your legacy in wrestling is, is is perfectly fine if you just let it be. But if, again, he's got the platforms to, to to present himself in a way where I think he he doesn't do himself any favors. Great points made by both of you. Just want to say, Dennis, I wasn't trying to jump down your throat when I uh, when I when I came back with my rebuttal. I just want you to know, so don't don't feel in, intimidated whatsoever oh. by uh, but by by my rebuttal. Yeah, I was just you up, so. uh, no, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> that being said, I did, uh, I've been in four major fights lately as a gentleman. I'm old for four, so that being said, I'm a lover. But there, there's no. There, uh, it's the first time for everything. That's true. That's true. I'm due for a win. That's true. But that, that, that doesn't mean I'm going to be your challenger. I, I, yeah. I really enjoy what Kurt Hawkins doing. is a perfect one. I, I enjoy what you've been bringing to, to, to this episode of kicking out it too oh, and you're obviously, you're obviously welcome back based on the, the what you're bringing here today so with that being said give us your final guilty pleasure your fifth and final guilty All pleasure right. here so my final guilty pleasure and I think I wish the WWE would wake the fuck up Whoa. I, I love having the audience involved no more uh, the better I know you mentioned about the last uh, uh, about about that you finally watched but, that but huh? granted granted Justin Justin <laughs> Justin 
Was that the fans' fault or was that the WWE's fault? It's the fans' fault. No, it's not. It's the WWE's fault. This is good. Let you guys go at it. Dave and Justin, case in point. There was upon a time, six months ago, you know, you know, ladies and gentlemen, this match is scheduled for one fall. One fall! Why did he take that away from us? Why did he do that? That was the point where we said, uh, the WWE fan, the WWE audience said, we are taking, uh, we're taking control back. We did, no one cared, and we were having fun until WWE says, no, you're gonna do what you're told to do. How dare you, WWE? So, okay, How this dare is, you? Yo, this is the tea party, man. This isn't treading on me. This is, this is, this is, be and be entertained for all those haters out there who want to talk about how bad they don't like Roman Reigns, how of an abomination it is that he's main eventing pay per views and everything else that's extended off of that in parody or in seriousness. You just gave Vince McMahon every reason to say, "Okay, you boo Roman Reigns every step of the way." You cry for the likes of Finn Balor, Seth Rollins, Dolph Ziggler, AJ Styles, etc., etc. And then, I give you that. And then what happens? Four, three, two, one. And you just had an Iron Man match where those guys are tearing it up. I'm not saying they're putting on a classic, but they're putting on a very formidable... Very good match. Yes. And you, the crowd... Knows how important they are to a match, and they use that to their advantage and ruin it. So, what is Vince McMahon as a businessman supposed to believe? Mm-hmm. Does he believe that, based on your reactions, do you do you hate Roman Reigns, hate Seth Rollins, hate Dolph Ziggler, hate hate Finn Balor? Because before you hated those guys, he thought, well, I'm going to try to push Roman Reigns, even though you don't like him. Well, now you don't like Seth Rollins. Now you don't like Dolph Ziggler. Now you don't like Finn Balor. Now you don't like all these other guys who I'm led to believe you like. What the fuck do you want? That's not the fans. That's WWE. That 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 that, uh, that, that uh, we were we felt involved. We, we we felt we felt we were important for a hot second. Finally, you know, I the more Triple H takes control, the more the fans are getting involved. And then Vince says, "No, what? No, 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 no. I'm about to be dead in ten years. I need influence. I need control. I'm Vince McMahon. That, 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 fuck you. I need control. That, 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 uh, that, uh, the more Vince controls what we want, what we want, and what we think, the more we resist them. The more. That's why." For five seconds, for five fucking seconds, we had control, and that's why we kept that going. Uh, One, a, it's two, it's, it was three, longer you know than five I mean? seconds. I'm not, I'm not agreeing with him because he's my brother. It was a happy medium because that I it, because that whole match was. It, <laughs> It was three quarters, if not, you know, 95% of that match was the fans, you know, basically trying to have their voice heard during a during a time period where. Like he had said, Vince McMahon is now giving you what you want. He's he's doing exactly. You're doing what you the want. same thing. I'm, I'm sorry. He's doing I'm the sorry, same. Dave. He was patronizing us at night. He really was. He at really times, I, at times, I could agree with you and say yes. That, that is very possible. He's patronizing, but now in this instance, he has given the fans what they want by showcasing guys like Dolph Ziggler and Seth Rollins in the main event for the Intercontinental Title on a pay per view. The last time that was done, 
SummerSlam 92, Davey Boy and Brett in Wembley Stadium. In the that main, really last time the that main that, like, event, wow. the last time that the Intercontinental title headlined a pay-per-view was in 1992. Oh, I never thought the that. Main great event. staff, by the way, Davey. Thank staff. you very much. And he's giving you what you want now. And you're doing the exact same thing that you do during Roman Reigns matches. So it makes, I could understand where my brother's coming from, where Vince McMahon is a businessman. It's like, well, what the fuck do you guys really want in the first place? No, I'm sorry. Vince, he's missing the point on this. He, I truly believe the reaction that he got, we're counting down, the audience is being annoying. Why? Because he took the control away from us. So every time we can have control, we're gonna do it. That that, that uh, that's it, that, that was that irrational decision. Give us just for God's sakes, Dave. Give us one fall. Just give us back. Oh, I don't give a shit about that either way. That, that, I do though. That, that can either come or I go. Do. Like that's not like to me personally. Like that's not like you know a, a deal breaker for me. But in that instance, he's giving you what you want. He's giving you the match. He's giving you the two guys that you get behind the most for years since Dolph Ziggler cashed in his money in the bank in 2013 and, and the way his, his character and, and his stock has fallen. People have been crying to see Dolph Ziggler. I'm one of them, okay? And then a guy like Seth Rollins, who is just as talented, if not more talented than the Dolph Ziggler, who's out there tearing it up. People are, are, are getting behind him and, and, and rallying behind him to be in the position that Roman Reigns is, that the people don't want him in. And now Vince is giving you all of that, and you're taking advantage of it for the sake of needing to be a part of the show and take and, and, and giving the proverbial fuck you to management. To me, it's like no wonder why they go with the guys that they go with because the audience is just the audience doesn't care. And unfortunately, today's wrestling fan, I'm not a big fan of personally because I feel like if it's not something that they want or not something that caters to them, then they're gonna crap all over what whatever's out there and it's not fair to the performers and the people that actually like those guys that the other fans some of the crybaby wrestling fans i'm not trying to put you in oh i am crybaby don't don't don't, don't, don't <laughs> i'm not trying to put you, you in that category crybaby cry match I am, I guilty am. pleasure I, uh, for next time one absolutely. two three kid <laughs> and, and, and razor ramon in your house throw men in diapers rage in the cage if you will but no to me i just feel like in that instance vince mcmahon didn't do that to the audience the audience did that to themselves and the way that they treated that match and all because they needed to feel important and to me I just thought I, I, it put a bad taste in my mouth and I wouldn't be surprised if we'd see guys you know like Dolph Ziggler and Seth Rollins not main event a pay-per-view anymore because of instances like that and that's not because of their talent that's just because of who the fucking fans are I'm sorry Dave I'm sorry Justin but I think you guys are missing a point I accept your apology. for one day <laughs> fine one day for 30 minutes they gave us what they want but for everything else, they took it us away. But why so, did they have to ruin that in that 30 minutes that they're giving it to you? But why did the WWE give us control again? No, 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 uh, the guy in second command, uh, what's his name there? Uh, Dunn, Kevin Dunn. Uh, Kevin, Kevin Dunn and Vince McMahon knows, yes, how to make a produce a better wrestling match than Dennis J. Levy. I understand that concept, absolutely. Uh, that, 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 uh, but for God's sakes, give us, give, us better, uh, give us one fall again. Give us, like, give us a chance to be more involved. That, 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 just because you gave us one match, 
One match for 30 minutes doesn't mean... You couldn't even make it through the 30 minutes. Though. But as I said, 27 minutes, it was like three, two, one. All right, for two and a half hours. Like the whole fucking time. Like it was so annoying. It took away from the match. But Dave, for two and a half hours, they put the blindfold. They gave us, they gave us whatever you want to say. The, 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 you know, what dogs can't bite. They gave us the nuzzle. They gave us the nuzzle. They gave us the blindfold. What did you expect, Dave? You expect that once you gave us a chance to have control... It's called having, it. it's, it's called having patience, in my opinion. No, I'm you sorry. want you want those guys in the main event? I'm sorry, you may have to trudge through this, some of the bullshit that they put out. Either that, or change the fucking channel, and then go on social media and be like, "Hey, holy shit! Oh, Dolphin uh, Rollins are gonna be out right now." Now I'll turn it back on. But don't fucking ruin the rest of the show because your guy in your position, your guy is not in the position that you want him to be in, or because you're not in control when they're gonna give you what you want. I just felt like it was they gave us what we want for 30 minutes, Dave, and that, that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, 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 just give that was, us. That was the design I think, of the match. I think it's common sense what what the fans want and what the fans want to be involved with, and the WWE took it away from us. This is a, every time we got a chance to take control, so we you, take it over. We do, so over you the, think because the audience took control over that thirty minute match with Rollins and Ziggler was because WWE decided to take away the one fall? Absolutely. And, holy absolutely, shit. Dave. Absolutely. You also Dave. said fucking people absolutely. are inspired by Dino Bravo too. So I mean, I mean, I love. <laughs> Anyhow, all right. Well, I mean, to me personally, like, I, I, I can't defend it. I, I can't defend what you're saying here, and I can't defend what the fans did. But that's the beauty of it here with guilty pleasures is that you, your guilty pleasure is the fans' control in a match. And I think in some instances in wrestling, in today's wrestling, it's warranted. Okay, in some instances, big part of me liking certain matches is the audience's reaction. Okay, I'll watch, for instance, there's a particular episode, and I'll, I'll be brief with this example. There's a particular episode of Monday Night Raw in February of 2000. It was in Dallas, Texas. It was at the old, um, the, not the Sportatorium, because that was like, a that was like you know, the Texas version of the ECW Bingo Hall. I forget the name of the arena, but it was before they put the new arena up that they have mm-hmm. currently today. And, the main, and th- those Dallas, Texas crowds were fucking on fire. As hot as the weather was outside, those crowds were on fire. The main event of that show was Rock, Rikishi, too cool and Cactus Jack against Triple H, X Pac, and the Radicals. And it was a that match was just unbelievable in terms of the crowd participation. That's the kind of crowd participation I like in a wrestling match. Not and not having the crowd dictate what the wrestlers are gonna do. That's just me personally. But I I, I I could sympathize in some ways that you, you want the audience to be more involved in the match. But when it comes to obnoxiously taking it over, I'm sorry. I can't agree with you there. Well, Dave, I agree with you. When, when fans become obnoxious, they take away from, from, from a wrestling event. But like I said, the WWE is so... Uh, Vince McMahon is such a control freak. Uh, excuse me, speech impediment. Just a uh, control freak that he took away all our freedoms, that any time that we have freedom, we take it way over the edge, which I totally agree with. That was annoying. The countdowns were annoying. But granted, just give us... Just give us an inch. We're not going to take a mile. Just give us a fucking they inch. They gave you an inch, though. They gave you an inch for that 30 minutes. One night for 30 minutes. I, 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 yeah, but, I mean, you, you you took more than a country mile within the first three minutes of the match. All right. It's, I'm like, saying, it's like the guy behind you in a movie when you go and pay to go see a good movie, and they just... 
They're just heckling the whole movie. Like, bitch, don't go back there. <laughs> that guy's right behind you. He's here's, got a gun. Bitch, here, what are you doing? Here's the thing, Justin. The only time I ever had a, oh, about to have a fist fight with a guy, a guy in the movie theater is that I was talking to my best friend, Tommy Z, and, uh, that, that, uh, and, and it's the previews, right? It's such a preview. The lights are still on and all this other stuff. This guy turns around and goes, are you ever going to shut the fuck up? I was going to punch him. Thank you. This is this. Him. This is this happening yeah. on, in wrestling. But this I'm is this. I'm just saying, though. I'm just saying that, 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 that let me talk during the previews. Let me have a little bit of control. When the main event, you're right. When, 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 when the matinee or, the, or the, the main attraction's on, you shut the fuck up and you, and you, and you watch, right? Right? But granted, to like to I the said, Pittsburgh no, audience the watching the Iron What's the yeah. man name in wrestling? <laughs> yeah. It's the entrance. It's the one fall. They, they, they took away from us talking away from the uh, from, from, from the previews. Let us talk during the previews. Thank you. Right. I mean, uh, agree to disagree. We'll, we'll uh, maybe this will be something that we'll we'll touch upon again on a future episode. All right. You you started off our fifth and final round. I think we're going to. I, I'll continue this one. All right. I said it's a theme when it comes to my guilty pleasures. And with this being the first guilty pleasure episode of Kicking Out at Two, I've kind of stuck with a WCW theme involving Hulk Hogan. And I'm going to round it out with Hulk Hogan here. Um, most wrestling fans universally hated not only WrestleMania 9, but the end of WrestleMania 9 when Hulk Hogan won the World Wrestling Federation Championship from Yokozuna after Yokozuna had just defeated Bret Hart. Me, 10-year-old me in 1993, I fucking loved it, and I still think it's cool to this day. Why? It brought an element of surprise. I didn't order that pay-per-view as a kid, but when I found out through a friend of mine on the school bus the next day that Hulk Hogan won the title, and he wasn't even advertised in the match, I begged my parents to fucking let me order that pay-per-view. They still didn't let me order it, but I had to now wait in anticipation at Blockbuster Video, of all places, for that VHS to come out. Most people look at that as saying, oh, well, Hogan popped politicked his way into the main event. And I'm not going to say he did or didn't because I truly don't fucking know what really happened. There's all different kinds of theories and stories out there. Brett thinks Hogan backstabbed him. Bruce Pritchard has told his listeners on his podcast that Vince was the one that came up with the idea. Some people have said that Hogan politicked his way into winning the title and, and coming up at that moment. But to me, it brought a, an element of surprise that nobody expected from that WrestleMania. Hogan was advertised with Brutus the fucking Barber Beefcake. Yes, I stole a Conrad Thompson phrase. Brutus the fucking Barber Beefcake to face Money Incorporated for the WWF Tag Team titles. Hogan wasn't anywhere near the fucking main event until, unless you watched that show. And I didn't even know that until the day after on the school bus. People can shit all over it they want. They could say that, you know, it, it, it buried Bret Hart, it buried Yokozuna, but 10 year old me at the time, it got the reaction that I wanted because Hogan was one of my favorites. He was the reason why I got into wrestling in the first place. And that moment right there, it just, it, it, it made what WrestleMania, in my opinion, truly is, is. It brings that, like, unpredictability and big moment factor. People will shit all over that WrestleMania and talk about how terrible it was. It's probably up there in the worst WrestleManias of all time. But for me personally, I love that moment. On top of the fact, I love the setting. Outdoors, Caesars Palace, the Roman Coliseum theme. I thought that was so fucking cool. And to add Hogan winning the title out of nowhere, beating Yokozuna. It, it, I have nothing but good things to say about that moment. Who wants at it? Who, who, who wants to have at it? Oh, I got highly opinions. By the way, by, let me start, Justin. Sure. That, that, uh, 
that, that uh, if I could digress, super, super, super digression here, that, that uh, take the commentators when they were wearing the, the Greek robes. Why can't we have more gimmick commentators? Anyway, that's just me. I love when, like, Bash of the Beach and when they're wearing, I think you mentioned this, uh, during the, the walkthrough. Uh, that, 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 the walkthrough. That, 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 uh, the watch along. Well, yeah, the watch along. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, that, 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 you know, where commentators were wearing, like, beach outfits and stuff like yeah. that. What a great way to, to, to say, hey, we're having a beach theme or yeah. whatever. Oh, I like, that WrestleMania so cool. 9, you got the, the yeah. Greek. I Why can't we have gimmick commentators? But anyway, that's, I digress. Or adding more gimmick to the pay-per-view in and of itself instead of just looking so vanilla and so bland. Exactly, Dave. Suits. I get Thank it. I get very it. much. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on board with you. But, but granted, right, continue. But granted uh, I thought Yokozuna versus Bret Hart versus, uh, uh, was versus, versus uh, Hulk Hogan. Great decision, wrong person. I think they should have Yokozuna versus Hogan. Hogan gets cheated out of the title. And here comes Bret the Hitman Hart, the, the new guy. You can't do that to our, to, to our champion, Hulk Hogan. And then he wins the title. That's a great I idea. I think that would have been a better idea than Hogan wins the title. It's a phenomenal and I think idea. That people well, think of course you would. The champion, hard, the champion that everyone wanted gets the championship. And then you go from there. I think I think I think it was a great concept. I have never heard Wrong of that guy. idea, but that's reverse would have been a better idea. I'm not I'm not against it. I'm not against it, but I've never heard of that idea. Maybe an episode of Trading Places coming anyway, down the road. That's what I totally think. I, I totally think that that, that 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 great decision. Wrong guy. I really believe it. You're I I gotta hear from you. You're you're a Bret Hart guy. I love you, Dennis. <laughs> I think that was awesome. I never thought of that, and I like to think I think of most anything, but. Um, I didn't catch that one along the way over the years. Um, you know, uh, yeah, WrestleMania 9 kind of sucks. Yeah, it uh, kind of did, yeah. Like, where was Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels as a, a blood feud taking place on the biggest show of the year? You know what I mean? I can, I can, I can stick with Andre the Giant, or excuse me, not Andre the Giant, Giant Gonzalez. Sorry, Andre. Um, I can stick with Giant Gonzalez and The Undertaker. There's that big man, big man thing going on there. I can even go with the narcissist. And Mr. Perfect. I can go with that. Um, can you go with Doink and Crush? Yes. I actually like that match. I Thank you. Can. I love the finish of that match. Evil double Doink. Doink. I love the double, double Doink. Doink. Cool. I love I'm the double Doink. Uh, but, like, there were some missed opportunities, and I think the main event was a huge one. Um... Again, I don't, I, I don't know the Mega Maniacs do anything for me. Um, I don't know what they call themselves, the Mega Mega Maniacs. I don't remember that. Yeah, would, yeah, they were oh, Brother Brutai. Brutus, oh, that's yeah, Mega Maniacs. Against yeah. the uh, against Money Incorporated. Against Money Incorporated. Um, I, that doesn't do anything. All for right, me. so if the main event, would, all right, so let's say for instance they still stuck with the idea of Hogan leaving WrestleMania with the title, and he didn't drop the title to Yokozuna, King of the Ring, a few months later. What would Without trying to fantasy book it, let's trade places here for a minute. Instead of Yoko beating Hogan, what would the end game be for Hulk Hogan? And does Bret Hart fit into that equation? No, he doesn't. It fits. They booked themselves into that scenario. I think it's it, it, it happens the way exactly it happened. Wiles, what? Wiles, you know, again in that climate, nineteen ninety three, you're not seeing babyface first babyface really ever. No, you're not. But I mean, at the same time, it's not like it hadn't been done before 1993. No, that's true. Um, but you know, Hulk Hogan. You know, this is where the power lies, right? I mean, he's 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 he does what he does to benefit himself. You know, along with other aspects of of what he does, but uh, or at least back then. But it didn't. It further perpetuated what didn't make sense to us now. That you know, again, which is. 
babyface versus babyface. Uh, where's the sympathy for Bret Hart? I think people don't people underutilize the or underappreciate and sometimes condemn the aspect of fighting from underneath. You see that with Daniel Bryan and his and his rise. Mm-hmm. You see that with you saw that with Bret Hart in this scenario. Bret Hart was screwed out of the title. You know he lost salt to the face, um, and then you could add the backstage aspect of it too as well. But overall, Bret Hart was screwed out of what what many people believe was his crowning achievement, being the rightful you know champion and and top guy in the businesses at large. He got that at Madison Square Garden, which I think was very you know appropriate. But you had to rally behind him to get to get him there, and that's that's his character. You know, he's not a larger than life character. You know, he's you need to get behind him because you're, he's relatable. Hulk Hogan ain't relatable. You know what I mean? John Cena walks that line very well, and that's what I think makes him different. But most most of those larger than life, impressive looking people. Are not you? Yeah, John Cena is so relatable because I mean I know plenty of guys that walk around wearing sweatpants, their sweat uh, wristbands and knee pads with jean shorts all right. the fucking well, you know, the nightclub, yeah, getting all the ladies like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure he would, yeah. When they found out who John he was, Cena, of course. Yeah, but everyone else, not the champ is here. Yeah. Um, but I think again, like Bret Hart, you needed to attach the relatable qualities of what made Bret Hart who he was to the wrestling, the common wrestling fan. So it really, I don't see it going any other way. I know years later, Bret Hart can, can 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 express his sour grapes about it, and he's, he has every right to do that. It is what it is. But uh, there's really, I think, if if you if you start with WrestleMania nine and that main event and how that went down from Hogan leaving as champion from when Bret Hart walked in as champion, I don't see a very logical um, path to getting Bret the title back before WrestleMania 10. So Dave, let me elaborate what I mean by to the listening audience of what, what I mean by right decision, wrong person. Take Money in the Bank, for example. That's meant for the newest star. That's not meant for the established star. I think here was like the first ever Money in the Bank situation where where a non-title match, I mean, I mean a title match happened where it should have been like very a non-title too, almost. Yeah. yeah, very um, impromptu. Thank you, Dave. Yeah. So I think the veteran should have lost the match via shenanigans. Mr. Fuji, salt in the eyes, boom. Oh, Hulk Hogan, oh, I can't see. Leg drop, boom, finish, right? The, the, the finish they had at the, the King of the Ring. That should have happened at WrestleMania. And now here comes, here comes, here comes Brett Damon Hart. Hey, like I said, hey, that's our legend. You can't be doing that to our legend, Hulk Hogan, or whatever. And and Hulk goes, oh, I'm 600 pounds. I can do whatever I want, you know? <laughs> and then Vince goes, and, 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 and uh, Bret Hart goes, well, I challenge you to a match now. Improm. Okay. For the title, let's go. And it's my Hulk or Crook, whatever, rolls them up, sharpshooter, whatever you want to have. You have the new talent. The new talent, like the, 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 the new, uh, like, the, like, 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 you know, the, the up and coming, the passing of the torch, if you will, to Bret the Hitman Hart at WrestleMania Nine. But oh, what, what a magic moment that would have Okay, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you there. I, I never thought of that concept, and I, I, I can get behind it. But you don't think that they could have gotten that passing of the torch moment with Hogan and Bret at SummerSlam in '93? Yes, that's actually very true. And, and, and you don't you don't think so? No, as a Bret Hart as 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 a diehard Bret Hart fan as you got, like I said, it just doesn't make sense in 1993. It just doesn't. So so Hogan winning. The, all right, so hold on a second. Let's let's map this out a little bit. Hogan beats Yokozuna. 
wins the title. Yoko gets the rematch at, 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 at King of the Ring. Hogan wins. Brett wins the King of the Ring. Not only does Brett have the King of the Ring on his resume, but now he's also got the fact that he was cheated out of the title at WrestleMania. You don't think with all the stars aligned that they can get to Hogan and Brett at SummerSlam in 93 based on that, based on that path? I think that's very well said, Dave. Um, it, okay, it comes at the expense of what I think at the time the WWF was not ready to sacrifice was the star power of Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan was, especially if, let's just say, he beats Yokozuna King of the Ring. He just beat the biggest monster heel in the company twice in front of very large audiences. So am I supposed to believe that Bret Hart, just, you know, again... You, the, 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 the task is now at that point galvanizing an audience behind Bret Hart which I can get behind again it makes sense but um, do, you, do, they, do they rally behind the hitman and rally against the Hulkster or do you which I don't think they would have wanted because that's the conflict of a babyface babyface dynamic they certainly have in later years and more recently and again they first visited with Warrior Hogan had the Warrior Hogan clash of two fan favorites that worked because they didn't. One didn't outweigh the other. Mm-hmm. One was the favorite. One wasn't the favorite over the other. There was. You were either one side. Excuse me. You were either one side or the other. I think if you put a more favorable spin on Bret Hart and the way that he was supposed to be booked as a, as a as a uh, sympathetic figure, you would have taken the shine off Hulk Hogan that probably they didn't want to have happen. And that's why I think it wouldn't have worked. And again, this is coming from the biggest Bret Hart fan you'll ever meet. Um, so again, it all starts with, all right, if you're having Hogan win the title, you can't have him drop the title to Bret Hart. As much as I would have loved that in 1993, I would have loved that in 1997, 98. As much as I would have loved that in retrospect, excuse me, it wouldn't have, I think, landed, I think, the way we all envision it being based off of History looking back on it now. Okay. All right. All right. To 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 put a bow on the WrestleMania nine finish. That's a that's a that's a good way of putting it. All right. You're. It's down to you now. We're 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 in the 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 eleventh hour, the fifth and final guilty pleasure. You're gonna cap us off here as we end this. By the way. Fantastic episode. I'm so glad you came for this. This is so cool, Dennis, and you are more than welcome back. Anytime you want to chop it up and talk wrestling here on Kicking Out It Too, this has been nothing but a pleasure. Dave, jo- if the stars are in line, I'll always, uh, I'll right. always oblige your request. Thank Open you invitation. Open invitation all the time. We will uh, we, we will exchange phone numbers like two young school kids later. Excellent. Um, <laughs> Justin? Take it away. Guilty pleasure. Uh, and again, I feel like a lot of my guilty pleasures are, are, the, are the aspect of, like, man, they could have just done more. And they cut the legs off of something because it didn't connect right away. Or there was unforeseen circumstances. This scenario would be unforeseen circumstances. Um, I really dug where the character and the angle and the, the trajectory of Muhammad Hassan went. <gasps> Very good, dude. Yeah. That was not his fault why he got fired. It, it, right, unforeseen circumstances. Um, I feel like I was one that went, man, that guy is in line to go take the title and run to WrestleMania with it. it Come it, SummerSlam. I, yeah. I'm convinced you're right, Justin. And... There's no debate coming from me. And I'll I let hate, you continue, but again, there's I under, no debate coming from I'm very, me on that one. You know, I very much understand the... the 
personal and sense, you know, uh, connection and sensitivities to those who are affected by, you know, acts of terror, you know, by those who oppose our way of life. Different forum, I get that. But uh, to me, um, there was still there was still an area to go in. There was still direction. There was a lot of ground to cover still. I don't know if I would say a lot, because again, the, 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 the tragic London bombing terrorist attacks that happened the day prior certainly is much of why we're, you know, in this scenario here, but I feel like you still could have gone somewhere with it. Um, bureaucracy and politics playing a huge hand in that, but I feel like history doesn't treat that well enough. Um, you know, I feel like you've got, you had a great modernized version of what I think draws, you know, again, nationalism is a great, um, intrinsic, uh, hook in, in television and entertainment. And you got that with, you know, Nikolai Volkov, rest in peace, Iron Sheik, you know, Fritz von Erich, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I think you had a very modernized version of that in a way where you could honestly look at the character Muhammad Hassan and say, man, he's not wrong. But as he got more, quote, to, to use the word, radicalized, that's where his, he started to build. And he was just really getting started. But unfor- the unfortunate events in London in 2005 uh, curtailed that. And I think um, people like, again, to get to the point, ultimately... It was a guilty pleasure of mine because I feel like it was something that I that I was just so good, and it wasn't even. Again, much of my 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 theme of a lot of these was hadn't even scratched the surface. Yeah, and people justify, rightfully so, the pulling of the plug. And to me, uh, even as a fan, I recall in two thousand five as a, as, a, as a very young man saying, "What do you what? No, let's go with this. Let's go." Let's let's run with this. Let's 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 get it to where it needs to go, and we didn't see that for obvious reasons. I understand that, but that's my guilty pleasure: is what could have been and how good it was, even though people look at it in 2018 and say that was in very poor taste. Dave, let me intervene. Yeah, absolutely. So, so to to the to the folks that don't know the Hamid Hassan, just like the right the reason why he got fired. So he was, of course, a, uh, a, a Muslim, even though he was Italian. He was a, a, a Arab American. But anyway, but that he truly is full blooded Italian. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, he was portrayed as an Arab American who was disgruntled and said, "I'll never do terrorism. I'll never do this. I never do that." You, you know, you, you know, when I go through TSA, I shouldn't be a target. It was such a great angle. Yep. But here's the thing. The downfall of Muhammad Hassan was Vince said, you're going to be a terrorist. And, and the timing was awful. The day before, you yeah, had the London bombings. And here they are. Here are a couple of thugs. And they're portrayed as Muslims. Muslim thugs jumping and beating the shit out of the Undertaker. And with that being said, we had... Rather, we didn't know they were Muslim, though. They had ski masks on. We were, the assumption was they were a part of yes. the Muslim to your, to, to be f- yes. to your yes. point, yes. And Muslims are terrorists, Technically speaking. And, and I have Muslim friends, so I think that's god-awful. With that being said, we, all, we, we could go down the list when it comes to, like, absolutely awful characters. The worst character of all, Colonel De Beers. 
It's a, the, South, the South African, you know, apartheid. Let's go, Colonel De Beers, right? It's, 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 so we're used to racism. You really dug that one. No, 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 I'm just saying, Dave. No, no, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, we're used to racism and nationalism and all this other stuff, hatred in the wrestling business. Hence, one, 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 one of the best rivalries of all time, in my opinion, it, of course, was uh, the, 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 um, the, 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 the Rocky uh, sympathizer. Hogan uh, and Slaughter. Thank you, thank yeah. you. Yeah. That's one of my favorite feuds of all time. But but that that uh, it wasn't. Here's the thing. So they fired Muhammad Hassan because on SmackDown uh, that, that that he had these thugs jump and jump and jump uh, the Undertaker like like, like they're like you know ISIS or you know the PLO or whatever you, whatever you want to say. You know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't his fault. And so he got squashed on the next. What was it? What was it? Night of Champions. Uh, that, that, Great American Bash. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So he gets squashed by the Undertaker. And we never see him again. He gets fired for a decision that wasn't he, he wasn't involved in. I, I just think it's just totally, totally bullshit. Muhammad Hassan should have been one of one of the. And quite by the way, I think I'll go down believing Muhammad Hassan was the last wrestler of the Attitude Era. I really believe that. You know what? That's an interesting point you make. And I, like I said, I feel like again they hadn't cra- scratched the surface, and I feel like they could have um, really. I would have been satisfied with that traje- that that path if it, t- if it had taken us to WrestleMania. If it takes us to WrestleMania and the evil foreigner, if you will, again mm-hmm. to, to take it to a to a fundamental level, if if that's where it gets to WrestleMania, with the foreigner being you know conquered by the American, if you, you know again in the most simple storylines, fine, cut them loose then, mm-hmm. no big deal. But uh, again, I think we we have to be sensitive to the. You know, events that took place around that time that caused what happened to happen. But again, I I just, again, I, I loved every bit of that. You got to sprinkle in some Hulk Hogan into that. You got to sprinkle in some Shawn Michaels. Um, it may not even be a guilty pleasure, but I feel like, again, based on how it ended, it like I said, it was more of a, God, what could have been? Well, it, it, John it, Cena versus Muhammad Hassan at WrestleMania was, would have been amazing. Would have been, yeah. Uh, and he got fired. Look. And he got fired. Sorry, Dave. No, it's okay. well, I'm just saying, he got fired for things that wasn't Beyond in his control. His control. Yeah. Sure. That, that he he was booked this. They did it, and he got fired for it. How dare they? How dare they? Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with anything that either of you are saying regarding this subject. And to to put a bow, as they would say, on this uh, very first edition of our Guilty Pleasures episode of Kicking Out It 2, we definitely ran the gamut of some topics. And uh, I'm sure that there's probably more Guilty Pleasures that all three of us have still in the bank, so to speak, that we could could reveal on a future episode of Kicking Out It 2. I want to thank you, Dennis, for joining us here on this episode. This has been a lot of fun. Like I said, open invite anytime you want to chop it up. We'll sit down. We'll talk wrestling. Thank you very much. Very appreciative of your loyalty to this show, listening. And you're one of the members of the Kicking Out of Two crew from from here on out. So thank you. And, of course, the offensive coordinator. Can't forget about you, my brother Justin. Thank you so very much for being a part of this and uh, lending your wrestling knowledge and experience into this, uh, this conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that was a lot of fun. And I look forward to more fun with Dennis Levy down the line here on Kicking Out of Two. Like I said, 
Dennis brought it, and uh, he's a welcome addition to the the Kicking Out of Two crew. So uh, look forward to more episodes with Dennis Levy joining us on Kicking Out of Two. And next week, join us over at SoundCloud.com for our special Factions episode. Chris Donovan, who uh, participated in the Triple H Shawn Michaels SummerSlam My Favorites episode, is going to rejoin us. But joining him, he's going to be bringing a good buddy of ours, Daniel Garcia. Uh, The three of us, we work together at our bill-paying job. And uh, around work, we're known as a a trio, a faction, if you will, that have an affinity, a love, an obsession of pro wrestling. So we thought, well, why don't we capitalize on that? Have the three of us all sit down and chop it up and talk about some of the best and worst factions in the history of professional wrestling. Talk about some of the guys that became big stars coming out of those factions. Potential factions that just didn't make it. Or how about guys that didn't really pan out from being a part of that said faction. We're going to cover it all, good, bad, and ugly, when it comes to the history of stables, factions, whatever you want to call them in the history of professional wrestling. So tune in next week for that. Don't forget, social media, facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two. If you have not already, please hit that like button and be a part of all the fun that we're having over there with debates, discussions, pictures, videos, you name it. It's all over there, facebook.com forward slash kicking out of two. If you have hit the like button, tell a friend. Tell anyone who loves retro throwback pro wrestling talk to be a part of the fun over at kicking out of two. Same goes for Twitter. Our handle is at kicking out two, K-I-C-K-N-O-U-T, and the number two. The same fun, the same madness, the same shit that I'm creating over on Facebook that you're helping me create on Facebook as well. We're doing it over on Twitter, 140 characters or less. All right. Putting this show down for the three count once and for all. It's about that time. The match is over. One, two, three. We will see you all next week.